Welcome to the Metalist, where we discuss our top five personal favorites. Yeah. Is that what you want to call it? We can all things metal, all things distorted guitars. If you dig it, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Don't forget, rate and review, like and subscribe, give us a follow, maybe give us a share. Now, you know what time it is? What time is it? I'm ready for some fucking God Hammered. The metal David D'Lo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is The Metalist. Greetings and thanks again for joining us whenever you're joining us. Wait, redo. Greetings and thanks again for listening to us whenever you're... Fuck, what do I say, man? (laughs) This is going in, isn't it? It might. (laughs) Thanks for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. It's the Metalist Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm running the devil. I'm Jason. He's also Jason. Um, Who tends to run with the devil. Yeah, that is true. I mean, kind of. Yeah, little little somber occasion today. We're recording this the day after. Uh, I wouldn't say it's exactly after he's passed away, but the announcement has been less than 24 hours. Um, today we're doing Van Halen. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Um, it only felt R-I-B-D. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, I mean, we kind of have to, right? I don't know that we've ever done it like this before, but um, how about where were you when you heard the news yesterday? I think I saw it on Twitter first. But the guy did post, like, the actual, like, article. So it wasn't a situation of, like, oh, man, did this really happen or – you know, right. cause that that happens a lot too. It's like, oh, so and so, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, like that's not true. This one was true, but yeah. What about you? So I was in between different things yesterday, and I was just like, oh, you know what? I should pop in. There's the bees from that's not metal. Uh, he's part of Notfest now, and he's got his own channel on Twitch called Mosh Talks. So I was like, oh, I should see what's going on. He's usually along this time. So I look it up and they're playing hot for teacher and I'm like, Oh cool. Hot for teacher. And then I notice everybody's got a really, really bummer bummed demeanor. And I go, I missed some news, didn't I? And then everybody in the chat's all, you know, Eddie Van Halen passed away and I'm like, Ooh, that's a bummer. And he ended up ending his stream early yesterday. Like, like he was just so bummed. He's like, I, I just can't do it right now. You know? And everybody's all, we understand completely. And, um, I think he's going to do a makeup one later today, but like, so after he logged off, all the tributes started pouring in and all the articles, you know, NPR, CNN, like everybody was reporting on it. It's a unfortunate and big thing. And I like when you and I hit each other up, like, like we didn't even say, Oh, did you hear Eddie Van Halen died? Cause we both just kind of 
knew that we'd already heard by that point and we just said so we got to do this right and we're like yeah yeah we do so it's unfortunate that we're doing this under these circumstances but all we can do is celebrate the legacy and what a way to go and it's interesting you know to see all these tributes pouring in from not just the world of music but like just how other people from different fields of whatever even beyond entertainment were affected by this so big rest in peace eddie van halen man um hell yeah i think the only way to go from here is what was your first exposure to van halen i mean i'd heard van halen on the radio like since i was a kid the first album came out in 78 so that's four like i was four years old obviously i wasn't fucking rocking van halen at the time but i mean i'd heard stuff like just around you know some radio stuff here and there probably like my sister's friends and stuff but I mean, the one I really remember hearing the first time was Jump from 1984. I was 10 years old. It was, like I said, I'd heard some of the, you know, once I started really getting into like some of their, their like once I got into the catalog or whatever, like, I mean, a lot of those songs sounded familiar with to me. Like, you know, like you really got me. I, I mean, I'd heard the Kinks version and their version forever. Even things like, uh, I mean, some of the covers, obviously... I'm thinking like dancing in the street, stuff like that. And I mean, Cradle Will Rock. I remember hearing, you know, the main riff for that, Dance the Night Away, stuff like that. Like once I started going back through, I was like, okay, I've heard this stuff before. But the first one that really fucking I knew was Van Halen was in 1984 from the album 1984. It was Jump. And I mean, it fucking blew me away because at the time, you know, keyboards sounded a certain way. And I mean, we all liked them. We all like well we all liked some of them we didn't like other ones but it just sounded so fucking cool obviously the music video was awesome you know i mean it's fucking david david lee roth doing fucking jump spinning back kicks and shit just for no reason yeah and then i think well you know what actually right around the same time i mean you know thriller was out and I mean, I remember seeing fucking eddie van halen in the music video i just probably didn't know it was eddie van halen at the time oh really yeah, yeah, he, he plays the, the solo. Yeah. He plays a solo for "Beat It," and he's in the video. So, I mean, I probably just didn't even, you know, until until I saw the video for "Jump" and I saw you know the guitar or whatever, and I was like, oh yeah, because I mean, you know, that guitar was just like a, a fucking life unto its own. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's um, iconic to say the very least. Yeah, like what what about you? Because you're like quite a bit younger. Like, what was your so this is in stages, I would say. So, I mean, the first time I would have heard Eddie Van Halen anything would have been Back to the Future when there's the scene where Marty hooks uh, his dad's ears up with the headphones and he blasts. And we'll get into this a little more about this later, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it says Eddie Van Halen on the tape and he's doing, wow, without necessarily knowing what that is because I'm it's like part of a eruption, yeah. I am and, Darth uh, Vader from the well, planet Vulcan. So there's actually a little more to that story. It's 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 something else, but we'll get into the little here's and there's because there's there's plenty of not Van Halen stuff to talk about with Eddie Van Halen too. But okay. after that, uh, and again, I'm probably exposed to things and I don't even know what it is. But the one that comes to mind after that is Wayne's World Two, when they're uh, talking about Wayne Stock or whatever. And they're just naming bands, and, and one of the ones that comes up is Van Halen, and they even like have the album art because they're he's just like 
it's before usual suspects was a thing where he's just naming stuff around the room, right? And so he's just like looking at stuff in the studio and naming bands and stuff. And one of them is Van Halen. So I hear this name for years and years and years and years. And then finally I get into Rock 105.3 here in San Diego in 96. 96, I feel like the movie's 95, but it's somewhere around there. There's Twister. The soundtrack for Twister comes out, right? And so the first song I know concrete that I'm hearing for the first time, oddly enough, is Humans Being off the Twister soundtrack. Oh, it's such a cheesy... I don't know. I mean, they had a lot of cheesy stuff, but... Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a story about that one. You know, I'll just say it right now. That was the whole thing of, like, um, I guess there was like some tension between Eddie and Alec or sorry, Eddie and Sammy because they were supposed to do a song for that soundtrack. And I guess Sammy came to them with some lyrics or, or no, they were, he had to write lyrics to something. And like Eddie told specifically told him like, don't, don't write about, you know, like tornadoes or weather, like don't be on the nose. Right. Mm. And then I guess he did anyway. And so they were kind of just like all bent or whatever. Yeah. I mean, just even going through the written history last <laughs> night, it's just like, oh my God, there's so many ins and outs. And just like, it's it's pretty maddening, really, dude, to go through all that history. I mean, if we're calling it what it is, Van Halen as an entity is done now, right? It has to be. Just like they never officially said, as far as I know, the typo negative broke up after oh no no they, they did okay i remember now they did but you know what i mean it's like you can't replace peter Steele, even though carnivore is trying right now like there's just literally those are shoes you cannot fill so for all intents and purposes that's that's the end of it so you want to call it an almost 50 year history right there but there's anyway. yeah there's no you trying to figure I mean, out how they could do it <laughs> Yeah, I, I would even say, and I mean, it's probably going to fucking bend a lot of people to fucking backwards or whatever, but I would even say probably more so than almost any other guitar player. I mean, say what you want. I mean, prior to Vinny dying, you know, like everybody's like, oh, well, we'll have guest guitar players come in, do the dime thing. It's like, that could work. You're not going to have, no, like you just, you're just not going to have anybody fucking even fill in for eddie van halen right like he i mean let's see let's try this one while i agree that in time our band will be most triumphant the truth is wild stallions will never be a super band until we have eddie van halen on guitar Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry i just had to throw that in there because like i that was another one of my earlier van halen memories no there's no way because he had a certain not saying that no guitar players have certain styles but when you listen, you can listen to, uh, to be completely honest with you, you can listen to those Anthrax albums with Dimes fucking solos on there, and you don't necessarily know they're Dimebag. Yeah. He never had, Dimebag more so in his riffs, because he had that whammy pedal, right? Mm-hmm. Then you, and, and at the time, he was the only person using that. That's how you knew it was him. But from the solos, he didn't really, there wasn't a specific thing. Eddie has a specific thing, and it's not just the fucking tapping, although he was the guy that really brought, especially the eight-finger tapping. Mm-hmm. I mean, blew people's fucking minds. He literally changed the fit, the face of guitar. Yeah. And how it's played. Just 
Very few guitar players have done that. Very few. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix, Les Paul, Chuck Berry, Eddie fucking Van Halen. Yeah. Like, I mean, dude, he changed everything. Yeah. That doesn't happen a whole lot. You know, yeah. and as much as we love guys like Dime or Randy Rhodes or fucking Zach Wilde or fuck some people, Sinister Gates or whoever, whatever weird name the fucking Avenged Sevenfold guy is, yeah. or, you know, the uh, you know, the dudes from Judas Priest or the dudes from Iron Maiden or Carrie and Jeff from Slayer. And dude, they're all fucking awesome guitars. Guitars. I love them. I love most of them more than Eddie Van Halen, just in general. Like they rank higher on my list of favorite guitar players. Yeah. But those dudes didn't do what he did. Mm-hmm. He fucking changed everything. But there's another thing he does. He plays this weird, because so he's a total blues style player. Right, he's not. I know that he got his start on classical piano, but he's not that neoclassical Richie Blackmore, Randy Rhodes school. Right. He's more from Jimmy Page, Tony Iommi school, Judas yeah. Priest type school, blues based licks, right? And I mean, but he does this thing where he like he slurs notes, yeah, by either sliding up to him or bending him. To the point, dude, where the shit sounds off. I never fucking got it until probably like a few years ago. I I always remembered Trey Azikthoth saying like, you know, oh, I dedicate this particular section of this, the, the you know, the second guitar solo of, of Where the Slime Live mm-hmm. is dedicated to Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And he was a huge Eddie Van Halen guy. I always talked about him, whatever. And I, I mean, I, I've heard that lead a thousand times. And I was always like, what? Why is that specific thing dedicated and then i fucking just was listening to van halen one day and i just had it on shuffle so i was listening to songs i don't normally listen to and i honestly don't remember what song it was it was probably like a combination like three or four songs i started hearing these fucking and i'm like wait a minute like that's what he's talking about yep and there's not a lot of people that do that in their fucking solos especially not the way he did it you know what I mean? Like, and it's to the point where if you've listened to enough Van Halen, not just the hits, but if you've listened to enough of those songs, you listen to other things, you know, it's him. Absolutely. Where a lot of guitar players and they're great fucking guys, man. They're great players, super fucking talented. It's just, it's not a knock on them at all. It's just a saturation thing. It's probably most of it, but they just don't have, this one thing that they that they do that only they do you know and he's one of the only dudes to do that and it's it's really strange i don't think you can just get granted you can get tons of guys that can come into van halen on a fucking reunion thing and fucking play i mean they can play the shit it's all it's all there yeah (laughs) you know they don't have to write anything you know, so I mean, in that regard, I guess you probably could. But I mean, dude, why? His son's in the band. His son's like, dude, really, man? Like, you're going to want to be. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it just depends on what they want to do. I mean, obviously, it's like, yeah, the, the fucking music should go on. But the music will go on. And the big thing is, like, I don't think they've toured in a long time. I tried looking up the history last night. I remember I remember Mac is talking about having seen him sometime in the last decade i remember they played um it might have still been cox arena at state but it, it's it was it's viejas now or whatever i it might even be something different 
And he said it was awesome. I have no doubt. And they toured in 2013. They put out an album in 2012. But I think that's the one with fucking, that's the one where Sammy came back and they had Wolfgang on bass, right? No, no, no. Sammy, Sammy hasn't been a part of it since the 2000s. But there was an up in the airness since last year. I remember that. Because Sammy was talking about, hey, if Dave's not doing it anymore, I'd, I'd like to do it. And what they talked about is doing the, oh, uh, I'd okay. like to have it both thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like. I looked it up. So there was a tour. There was a tour where they had both of them on there. Yeah. That spawned that album, that live album, Best of Both Worlds, because it's Sammy and David mm-hmm. on the thing. But there is this one here. It's this 2015 Tokyo Dome live in concert is from March 31st, 2015. And that's with David Lee Ross. Yeah. And supposedly they announced some dates sometime in the last five years. I just don't know if I didn't read if they ever actually went through with them. I didn't see anything about them not going through with them either. So I'm just like, well, I guess you'd have to operate on the assumption. Everything went well. Um, But I guess David Lee Roth put it out in the press last year sometime that he didn't know if Van Halen was going to be a thing or not. And he was just kind of, whatever about the whole thing and maybe that had to do maybe it's a and it's shitty to think it's the same year we lost neil parrott as well um maybe it's a like just new thing and like they just didn't say anything because like as much as it sucks like as soon as they say he passed away i knew exactly what it was because he's been eddie van halen's had throat cancer issues for the last 20 years um and he got you know he came out of surgery successful every time up until this last time, unfortunately. And it, it makes sense. You see all the pictures that you see a lot of the same pictures yesterday that people are posting. And then there's the one where he's got the cigarette gritted in his teeth as he's playing. And it's just like, dude, dude loved to smoke. I always um, remembered him. He had this little thing. So a lot of guys would put their cigarette, but, in between the headstock of their guitar and the strings. Yeah, yeah. He had something different. It had to have been something different. I've never seen it do that. So normally, if you're looking at a guitar player, you're looking at the headstock, usually the cigarette sticking like straight up like that because it's in between the strings and the headstock. Right. His was facing the other direction. <laughs> His was like facing towards you. Yeah. And I always thought he had like some kind of like a fucking paperclip kind of deal, you know, and just set it in there. But yeah, you can watch that that video live without a net. I mean, he's his he's got a fucking guitar in his mouth or on his headstock like almost the entire fucking set. Hmm. Interesting. Which I mean, pretty normal. I mean, a lot of fucking people back then smoked. I mean, it's just you know, drummers probably can't smoke. Probably, I mean, depending on what kind of music you're playing. Yeah, yeah. No, their hands are full. So, you know, and and singers, you know, chances are they're not taking drugs. But, you know, guitar players, bass players, I mean, I've seen plenty of those. I mean, Duff McKagan always had a fucking cigarette hanging out of his mouth, too. Yeah, Slash. Oh, yeah, Slash, too. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, I mean, so it was kind of common. But he was the the one I really remember having it in his headstock, you know, like Mm – just right there <laughs> what about acdc i feel like or maybe i'm just think making that up in my head maybe not i don't know i'm just thinking about that era as a whole yeah, i'm not sure probably. yeah by the way apparently there's new acdc out too i'll have to look into that you know right. sometime later um but you know the iconography of ac or excuse me van halen just full on i 
I'd have to think there's more debaucherous stories you hear from Led Zeppelin and whatnot, but that's just because those stories are out there, man. And I, part of me feels like there should be a different name that comes to mind, but can you think of a band that epitomizes rock star excess quite like Van Halen? Not just Van Halen, but specifically David Lee Roth. I guess Motley Crue, but just like... I mean, Motley Crue as a whole, but... The thing you had with Van Halen was something really fucking interesting was you had one, you had, okay, so there's the big joke, you know, Eddie, David, Eddie's brother, Mm -hmm. and the other guy, right? That's the big joke. Well, okay, first of all, the one thing I'll say about the other guy, it wasn't his bass, it's not what he's playing, it's what he's not playing. And I know Mm -hmm. that's a fucking lame fucking thing that people use for movies, you know, and stories, you know, it's, oh, you got to look between lights. It literally means what he's not playing. He's not stepping on Eddie's toes at all. Yeah. It is never look at Michael Anthony. It is always look at Eddie. Mm-hmm. And the way he plays, he's just holding it down so Eddie can fucking do whatever he wants. Keep it nice and fucking simple. Eddie can do whatever he fucking wants. Eddie's going to make it fucking cool. I just need to fucking hold down the fucking rhythm. That's it. Alex. Very understated for that band, but think about how he's not acting. He's being chill and fucking mellow, at least on fucking stage or whatever. He's mm-hmm. clear the fuck back there. He's on a drum riser. He's behind a million fucking drums. He had yeah. those fucking rototoms set up, all that shit, right? He's an amazing fucking drummer, and he made my fucking top five. But even he understates what he's doing. At least, in, and I mean, I've seen a few interviews with him. He's a pretty fucking, I mean, compared to most of those guys, he's pretty relaxed. But yeah. why? You have two huge, larger-than-life personalities in your band. Dude, there is not room for three. Yeah, for sure. And you have possibly the most bombastic, over-the-top front man there's ever fucking been. Yeah. And I, you have probably the most bombastic, over-the-top guitar player Yeah. at the same yeah. time. I think if they talk about the um, the dynamic in what is it almost famous right the the mysterious guitar player or whatever and then the larger than life singer or whatever right, or right whatever they say I haven't seen that in years but it's like something, it's something like that yeah and it's like that's exactly what that was it was an evolution of the Led Zeppelins and the Black Sabbaths and that whole dynamic and then this was like the next step of it and then it really ushered what was to come in the eighties and like dude forget the excess or whatever we were saying before like david lee roth is like the epitome of rock star dumb right oh yeah dude i mean you listen to a lot of the stuff dude he's just got these little wow you know like these. you know i mean everybody knows what it is right the fucking high-pitched chirp almost he's chirping right yeah yeah the outfits the fucking Running all over the stage, jumping, jump kicks, fucking boom. And I mean, yeah. the fucking the swords, interviews that he did. The what? The swords. Like, like you ever see the, the show yeah. where he has the swords? I mean, dude, he was just fucking crazy. And I mean, to the point where, you know, when they fucking got Sammy Hagar, we'll get more to that in a minute, but so many people were like, fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. That band literally ends the day they got Sammy Hagar. Mm-hmm. right and it's like for and and a lot of that in my opinion like dude that has dave david lee roth lyrically and vocally 
hey, dude, he's not that great. Mm-hmm. He really isn't that great. There's just, they have so many songs that are just fucking nothing songs. Right. There, there's just nothing there. You know, it's, there's, um, fuck, dude, I'm trying to think of the song. It's, uh, oh, well, I mean, it's one of them's in my fucking list, but there's one where he's just fucking talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, you know what? We don't want to do another, I don't have another verse. But if you listen to the first two verses, there's barely, it's two lines per verse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't, it, there's so many fucking songs that are just about just nothing songs. You know, he doesn't have the hugest range. He doesn't flex his fucking vocal range. I mean, he does those fucking high pitches or whatever, those, those chirps. Yeah. But he doesn't ever sing that high. That's Michael Anthony's job, which yeah. that's the other thing that Michael Anthony brings to the table. All those fucking high harmonies that make Van Halen Van Halen. That is what Michael Anthony's there for. He's more for his fucking vocals than probably even his bass work. Right. And I mean... So what was it that fucking made everybody fucking so fucking huge boners out to fucking Texas from here over fucking David Lee Roth? And dude, it was his fucking personality. He yeah. was larger than life. He was he, just, like you said, the epitome of a rock star front man. Just yeah. fucking, he was Freddie Mercury level. Mm-hmm. He's like he, Freddie Mercury like, on crack. In right. Some he, cases, he, literally. You know, he, he was Freddie Mercury. He was fucking Elvis, dude. He, mm-hmm. you know, he was fucking all wrapped in with like fucking someone like, you know, Robert Plant or fucking Rob Halford. Like, I mean, he was all of that, you know, and he held his own vocally mm-hmm. and, and, you know, whatever. And the thing is, like, lyrically, it's like, ah, fuck, whatever. We have Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, Eddie is, the, I mean, this band is almost the fucking epitome of like spectacle. In the sense that you can have songs where there's barely anything going on. I mean, lyrically, it's just about whatever. And David's just kind of fucking mumbling or, you know, (laughs) halfway singing his way through it. And Eddie's just sitting there doing his thing, right? Or you know he's going to soon. There are so many Van Halen songs that the only reason I even like it is for this one part. Mm -hmm. And it's something that Eddie is doing. And I will literally listen to the entire song just for that one part. Right. There's a bunch of them. And it's like, he was that fucking good. It's pretty rare when your guitar player is the star of your band. Yeah. In fact, I don't even think Randy overtook Ozzy. Nah, I mean... You know, I mean, Ozzy was still bigger as a... a you know, he, he, fuck, he was the former lead singer of Black Sabbath, for fuck's yeah. sakes. He's the Prince of Darkness. Randy was fucking awesome, and he had that fucking iconic guitar, too. Mm-hmm. But he still didn't overtake Ozzy. Yeah. Ozzy's a you know star what I mean? Like every time. Eddie Van Halen was the fucking star of his band, and probably for the first time, maybe the first time, because I'm thinking obviously Jimi Hendrix was the star of his band, but Jimmy was also the singer. Right. Eddie wasn't the singer. Yeah. That's the thing. Like they had this fucking flashy ass singer, and he still is the star of the band. Mm-hmm. At the time, at least, it's unheard of, dude. Yeah. So we'll go into this area. Like, I mean, Obviously, I mentioned Beat It. You know, I mean, he does the song with Michael Jackson. Now, until Thriller came out, Michael Jackson wasn't the biggest thing on earth. Everybody knew who he was, the kid from Jackson 5. He had a couple albums out solo that was killing it. But he, like, Thriller is what put him, literally, like, stomped his foot on the map. And he only went up from there. Yeah. Part of that was Eddie Van Halen on Beat It. Yeah, the crossover. 
But also, dude, Eddie Van Halen, even as a guitar player, man, like people that fucking didn't necessarily listen to rock or whatever you want to call Van Halen, we'll get to that later. But people that didn't necessarily listen to music, they knew who he was also because he was married to Valerie Bertinelli. Well, it's funny. I only know uh, Valerie Bertinelli as the wife of Eddie Van Halen because, like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, because, like, I would have been a little kid when all that shit was happening, right? So, (laughs) Oh, man, probably before that. Yeah, you, yeah, probably. it, it might have even been before that. I mean, I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, that was, um, oh God, who else was the the other big? Oh, it was uh, Tommy uh, Lee and um, uh, Heather, Heather Locklear, Locklear at the time. Yeah, you know that was that was the other the other big one, and then so, later Richie Sambora. <laughs> right, not, not anymore. Right, I just think like he had you know he had a way of. Be, and again, almost all of this is just because he's that good of a guitar player. Now, this isn't, you know, like they didn't have to get his permission to fucking mention his name in Wayne's World. Right. That's just something that you can do. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to fucking ask anybody, you know? So it's like, okay, well, hold on. Like, you know, I mean, they, he got married to her, what, 1980 or something like that? 81? Probably I, <laughs> somewhere around I there. I mean, right, right. It, I, I mean, it was somewhere around there. It was it was pretty early or whatever. Because I mean, they were married for like twenty something years. Yeah, I saw that. If, if I remember right, but I mean, that was a big thing because now that puts him in the spotlight. Because at the time, she was still pretty big. Now I don't know what else she went on to do. I cannot remember the fucking name of the show she was on. I yeah. But it was it was a pretty popular show. I mean, I remember watching it. So she was on one day at a time for like nine years. Is that a soap opera? It was a comedy, you know, and then, yeah, not much after that. You know, she's just around. She's done a couple things here and there, but um, nothing quite like one day at a time, right? But, I mean, you got to think, like, she was on there until 84. So from 75 to 84, she was very well known, you know, and then she marries this guitar player from this, from this rock band, and she's like... It was it was fucking huge, but yeah, he gets mentioned in Wayne or not Wayne's World. Sorry, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He gets mentioned in there, and it's not because he's married to Valerie Bertinelli or some agent. Oh, we got to get Eddie in this fuck. No, he's just mentioned because he's the fest. Yeah, he's a household name. <laughs> yeah, dude, Straight he's up. known as the best guitar. I mean, how many readers poll did that dude win? Like, I can't even tell you how many he won. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting is the story about when him and uh, Alex were kids, it was actually the other way around and Alex was on guitar and Eddie was on drums. And um, what was it? It was. While Alex was at work, Eddie was, or no, while Eddie was at work. Yeah. Alex was sneaking over and playing the drums. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. All right. And then Eddie said, fuck it. You play the drums. Yeah. And he said, fine, I'll play guitar. And wow. Like, what are the odds of that turning out? as well as it did right i mean shit uh, dude. well and he's, there's stuff like he said um you know there was like one of the best lessons he ever got for guitar was you know throw out the rules or something against go against the rules essentially yeah and he did it's exactly what he did you know and he started off classical piano so it makes sense that he did the eight finger tapping which you know it's like yeah i mean a lot of kids can do it now but back then it was just him i mean i don't even think randy rhodes did did that stuff you know, and eventually it just became a thing that 
it's just part of the repertoire for pretty much any like any shred guitar player. I mean, I'm not saying everybody can fucking everybody does it often. But in fact, you don't hear it all that often. Right. It's pretty crazy. Like the amount of fucking dudes that this guy inspired and motivated and influenced is just insane. And and like even like I made a post like you know I already wanted to be in a band, but I mean Eddie Van Halen's what made me want to play guitar. Right. I and think you see I mean, that a lot. I mean, I'm one of yesterday. probably millions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably one of millions that that happened to. Yeah. And again, for me, like, and I, I talked about it there, but I mean, for me, it was, it was the biggest part of him playing guitar that made me want to play guitar is the fact that he always smiled. Like he was always smiling. He right. always looked like he was having fun. He made it look like it was just fun to be on that stage. You know, Kiss to me made it look cool. And I was like, I want to be in a band. ACDC kind of made it seem like, okay, this is more serious, but it's kind of a little tougher. You know, it's like, fuck yeah, dude, I want to play Hell's Bells. I want to play in a band. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie, you know, Van Halen made it look fun, specifically Eddie, but all of them. I mean, you know, they made it look really fun. Now, chances are, I mean, I didn't know at the time, but, you know, they're just fucking hammered playing, <laughs> playing their stuff, you know? I was yeah. like, oh, cool. It's like, you know, you look at, you look at, you know, sometimes you look at, like, movies or TV shows and everybody's in the bar and it looks like they're having, it looks like fun. Mm-hmm. Same kind of deal. I mean, they're probably just drunk as fuck, playing their shit, whatever, having a good time. Like, but that's the thing. Like, they really had a lot of fun on the stage. But even in photo shoots and stuff, he was always laughing or he's always smiling or something, you know, and it, it was always cool to fucking see that, you know? I mean, you'd hope everybody's having fun on stage, you know, in theory. Well, and I'm, I'm not saying, like, I mean, there's sometimes people are really, you know, they're, they're too busy concentrating. Yeah, for, yeah. To, to, I mean, th- don't get me wrong. They enjoy it, and it's fun to them. It's just not that kind of fun. True. I have fun sitting there playing my guitar. I have fun playing a video game. It's a different kind of fun when you're like at an amusement park or swimming at the beach or out playing football with people. It's a different kind of fun is, is all. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's, I'm, I'm sure most people enjoy it and have fun doing it, but these guys look like one over the top fun, which again, makes sense. They're all, the whole band's over the top anyway. You know, it's funny to think, speaking of fun, I wonder how hard that was towards the end of, the initial tenure with David Lee Roth, because as in, you know, famous as they are for their technical ability and their songwriting and their stage show and whatnot, they're also one of the most infamous bands when it comes to the infighting between members and whatnot. And the Van Halen versus Van Hagar thing is something Let's that was that. just as famous. Yeah. So obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, this is all secondhand stories I've heard from over the years, but tensions arise between David Lee Roth and probably primarily Eddie Van Halen, right? Yes. Um, and it seems, from what I understand, and you probably get different sides from different stories back in the day, but it seems like it was more so David Lee Roth splitting to do his solo thing, which I wasn't there for this. I wasn't there for any of it, but I was especially not there for the solo stuff, so I can't gauge how it actually went. I just remember, like, in the 90s when he was almost nowhere to be found, that was kind of the butt of the joke. It was just like, you gave up Van Halen for for what? You know what I mean? Like, like he was kind of seen as the, oh, that dude's pumping gas, or, hey, I saw that dude. You know what I mean? Like, I saw that dude uh, squeegeeing windows when you get off the freeway over. But you know what I mean? Like, he was the butt of a – he was – 
very not fondly looked upon in the 90s. That's true. That's and, true. So yeah. a lot of it, a lot of it started, it was the difference in essentially direction. I mean, as far as I've always known it, I'm, I'm trying to scan the wiki to see if I can find anything concrete. But as far as I've always known it, somewhere along the lines, fuck, I'm trying to think of when it might have been. I think it was like 81 or 82, somewhere in there. Eddie had basically said that, and I saw this in an interview years later, but Eddie said something like he wanted more serious and complex songs, mm. you know, and, and David Lee Roth was just, you know, all style, yeah. you know, poppy, not much substance. Right. And, mm. and um, so, you know, I mean, a few more albums go by. I also know that Eddie Van Halen did a score or some songs for a movie. And that's why David Lee Roth did crazy from the heat was because he was worried that fuck he was basically like worried that you know Eddie was going to be playing music outside of Van Halen. Hmm. And so he basically left the tour. Like he quit like the 1984 tour was when David Lee Roth quit. That's when he did the Crazy from the Heat fucking EP which is mostly covers. That I right. mean I think the song Crazy from the Heat is his song, but dude it's just a gigolo, it's fucking California girls and it's I ain't got nobody. Mm-hmm. you know it's it's covers and but at the same time it's like when that ep came out it's like that makes total sense that fits david lee roth right the fucking lounge singer over the top lounge singer well i was surprised to find out his biggest influence as much as i shudder to say this is al jolson like fucking <laughs> wow but but again showman yeah no absolutely it's it's this whole you know, he was Vegas showman style trapped in a fucking rock band. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it was. I mean, yeah. So it says, right. It says here it was around 83, I guess. Or sorry. He did a score and some instrumental songs for the movie The Wildlife starring Eric Stoltz. Do you know what that is? I've never seen it. I don't, I don't even think I've ever seen a cover for it. But then it says the score was drum machine heavy and hinted at sounds and riffs that would become... That would come with their next two albums, 1984 and 5150. Mm. So it was around that fucking time, you know, and it's just like, okay, like, again, it's musical differences, which, you know, happens a lot. Here's something interesting that I never knew, but Eddie invited Patti Smythe from Scandal yeah, I to be that. David Lee Roth's replacement, but she declined it. Yeah, I saw all this, like, David Coverdale. Like, all these people are coming out of the woodwork now to say that they were invited, whether or not that was the case. Daryl Hall from fucking yeah. Hall and Oats. Dude, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, there was one other one. I that would have been fucking um, great, dude. Oh, I th- my God. I thought I saw Ian Gillen's name in there. Like, like a bunch. I'm sure they went through a whole roster. And that was a Sure, thing, that's man. like Black Sabbath losing their singer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who, wouldn't want a, who wouldn't want that gig? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And especially yeah. coming off the album 1984, which was their hugest album at the time. Yeah, and it's I funny think it to still think. might be their biggest. Oh, I have no doubt. It's it's funny to think um, 1984 didn't actually come out in 1984, did it? Pretty sure it did. Or did it? I don't know. It's just like yeah, yeah. like looking over their shit last night. They did six albums with David Lee Roth over a span of what was actually, in retrospect, a very short amount of time, man. Like that. Oh, yeah. That, output was gnarly i looked at two of those records and said i don't know that i've ever a heard these albums or b even heard any of these songs on 
it's either the two before 1984 or the two before whatever the one before that was. Um, oh, like Fair Warning and Diver Down? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just sitting there going, I don't recognize this album art. I don't recognize these songs. And so from 78 to 84 is six years? Yeah, so almost an album a year, almost, right? Like one, that's two, three, impressive. four, five, six albums in six years. That's fucking pretty good man that's a that's a yeah, that's cr- that's pretty nuts that's a different time right there man like you think about an album cycle now but like just like on such a roll dude and again you just think of this as such an established thing and then it just ends and it like like i'm sure at the time it seems like a lifetime but you look at it what it really is and then when did uh 5150 come out 86 Okay, so it wasn't that. So this is funny. It says Eddie was introduced to Sammy Hagar via their mutual Ferrari mechanic. Yeah, ain't that (laughs) man? It was different time back then. L.A. rock star (laughs) shit, dude, to a T. And they were the ones that kind of helped define it too, right? So it's weird too, because I'm like, did you not know Sammy Hagar? Yeah. Well, so I didn't know that Sammy Hagar was in a bunch of shit before Van Halen or that he had a solo career that was already going on at the time. You've never knew that I can't drive 55 was hit. You've never heard that song. I didn't know that till later. Like, like I have really, I obviously have. I just, I didn't know that, that for years he was like not famous. He wasn't just famous for Van Halen. Like he already was in stuff before that. I didn't know that including a solo career. Cause in my mind, solo careers come after whatever the big band is. Right. But, so um, his big Sammy's big thing was was Montrose. Yeah, and I I heard that on the classic rock station. On, like, dude, um, that fucking song, uh, rock candy. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear that till I uh, at my I mean, old work they had the classic rock station on whatever the fuck Sirius XM would have been at the time. Uh, so that was my first exposure to that. And then it's weird the, too because like he wasn't in Montrose for very long. I mean, it was, I think it was only like a couple years, and then basically went solo what? for quite a while. But I don't think he ever had anything really fucking it. He had I can't drive fifty five, and then there mm-hmm. was um, God. What was that fucking other? They they actually opened up with the song on Live Without a Net with Van Halen playing. It's um oh my god, dude, what the fuck? There's only one way to rock. I know, yeah, okay, I know exactly There's what you're talking about. Yeah. Way, yeah, 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 yeah. There's only one way to rock. Yeah, and you know what else? Like, it's he so does good. the opening theme on uh, heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it heavy metal. Yeah. Like, he had a lot of fucking, not a lot, he had some really good fucking solo songs. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he had the super group with Neil Sean. Uh, and like I think it was like the Fog Hat bass player. Is that the one that's wine something? Am I no. thinking of the right thing? That's, okay, that's HSAS. Uh. Hagar, Sean, Aronson, and Shreve. Oh, so wow. the Shreve guy is the Santana drummer. I don't think I've ever heard any of that. I remember seeing it, like seeing the album and stuff. And I like Neil Sean and Sammy Hagar, but I just never ended up fucking buying it or whatever. Right. But yeah, I don't think he was in Montrose very long before he went. He was like, fuck it, I'm doing the solo thing. And I mean, he's a good guitar player too. Yeah. No you know, and in fact, when he came to Van Halen, he started playing rhythm guitar. Now on the Live Without a Net, they come out and play There's Only One Way to Rock. And he was known as the Red Rocker, mm-hmm. which is close to Red Rocket. But 
Yeah. <laughs> but he he basically he I mean they come out they they play there's only one way to rock. So I mean how ballsy is that, dude? The set you're gonna release on a fucking video this is gonna be shipped out all over the world. You're gonna start this set off with your new fucking singer with one of his songs. Mm-hmm. But I mean they kill it, dude. It's awesome. Like it's so fucking cool. Hearing Eddie Van Halen play on There's Only One Way to Rock, it's sick. Yeah. And then the guitar immediately goes away. And then it's just Sammy Hagar playing. He might play on a couple other songs, but I know like most of the stuff, dude, it's just him. Because where are you going to play? Because so, here's another thing that I always thought was weird. You go back, and I think it's until, until you get to, I think it's until Fair Warning. When you listen to Van Halen albums, it might be on, maybe it's just on the first two. Nope. So certain songs on women and children first, but definitely the first two out al- the first two albums, Van Halen and Van Halen two, the guitar is only in the left side. Interesting. And the bass is only on the right side. It's as if you're sitting there watching them live. Huh? Obviously eruptions, both. I'll just say it's, it, this whole thing made me realize I'm not super familiar with Van Hagar. Which I think most people aren't like. Like obviously they had their level of commercial success, but it's not as well known or spoke about or as iconic. You know, I can infinitely, I can name infinitely less songs from that whole era. And like I was looking for right now where it is in the discography. I'm like, what the fuck? That's like four albums into Sammy Hagar being a part of the band or whatever. <laughs> like I, that sounds serious? like an eighty eighty ass <laughs> song to me, dude. <laughs> I was like, that was 1991, and I guess that oh, makes yeah, sense because the early 90s are kind of just an extension of the 80s, right? But like, right, it was that was the fucking graduation theme for like so many high schools. No, I have no doubt. So, so here's how I'll sum up the Hagar thing because here's what happened, and a lot of people are gonna hate me for it, and I don't really fucking care because fuck off. You you like what you want to like. If you want to like the style over substance of fucking David Lee Roth, that's fine. But dude specifically the 5150 album the level of songwriting is a thousand times better that 5150 album in my opinion is better than any other album like as far as like the entire fucking album Mm -hmm. because 1984 has some whack shit on it dude like top jimmy and drop dead legs fuck that shit dude oh i got a girl gone bad jimmy fucking house (laughs) of pain it's just dude it's whatever Almost every song on fucking 5150 is a big song. Well, you know what? Like, they, it becomes almost a different band because, because A, you got a different singer completely, but it because of, again, B, them wanting to go a different way. And it, right, it they change less... the whole fucking style up. One, they're less swingability. Yeah. Man, I don't know if anybody's fucking noticed this, but dude, honestly, Van Halen, old Van Halen with David Lee Roth, they're basically Elvis vocals away from being a fucking rockabilly band. Right. Like, they might just be the heaviest rockabilly band ever because the guitar sound. Yeah. But, dude, there's so much stuff on there that's, like, really got that swing to it. That's a lot of the stuff. That's one of the reasons that's basically kept me from saying, like, Van Halen's one of my favorite bands. I don't like a lot of that shit. I don't like a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they do have a lot of songs I don't like. But just in case anybody was worried about me getting too Van Hagar with it, OU812, I can't fucking stand the whole album because they even go further down that fucking line and they get even more, they go more for the radio, less for the guitar. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's like Eddie doesn't fucking stand out. And now at this point, it's almost like fucking Sammy Hagar 
and he just has his it just happens that his backing band is van halen right yeah yeah right and then for unlawful carnal knowledge which says fuck if you haven't figured that out Mm -hmm. that comes out and that's another pretty fucking good album not as good as 5150 but pound cake judgment dave and then the last three songs dude right now right into 316 which is a song it's an instrumental for his son wolfgang who was born on march 16th Mm -hmm. and then top of the world which is a huge single for them also which that's really weird that probably your three biggest songs off your album or at least your two biggest biggest songs on your album are the last two actual songs on your album true that's not that common and then the other big single off it was the first song on the album right i've never heard any of the stuff with gary sharon i remember hearing it when it first came out because that would have been the album coming out when i was a kid and first you know and i was first becoming aware of stuff so i remember that artwork with the dude getting shot with a cannon i remember it being a big deal that it's this new guy from extreme i remember i remember a lot of stuff about that time because that's when i was that's this was my in, proper introduction to the world but at the same time there was a really fucking weird time for a lot of those bands you know first time we talked i think we talked about this on Mike. but the first time i heard bon jovi was this ain't no love song so that's what it was to me was that kind of wow yeah 90s radio easy listening rock if you want to call it that and then like same deal van halen's this and i don't, can't even remember what the hell that sounds like I, I but i remember the music video being all you know mtv we got the brand new van halen and if i'm not mistaken it's like them playing and there's like people stuck in ice or some shit i i don't know it, it was it was a weird time and then almost immediately after Okay, no, or was it before that? Because it was there was a brief moment where they were back with David Lee Roth, and it was a big deal. Because yeah, so it seems like when I'm getting into Van Halen, it's like all this shit happens pretty whirlwind. They're getting done with their first tenure with Sammy Hagar because of the disagreement over stuff involving the Twister soundtrack or whatever, and everything that was going to come after that. So they're putting together a compilation, and they just start chatting with David Lee Roth and he comes in and he sings these two songs, which I absolutely remember after hearing him for the first time, probably since 1996 last night. And so it's a big thing. They're going to get back together. It's the classic lineup everybody's been waiting for. And then a number of things happen and they pinpointed on different things. Apparently they were still auditioning other singers and it was, and David Lee Roth found out and was like, this was just a publicity stunt to get them back in the spotlight. And then they're going, well, no, it's because he was being a fucking asshat just like he was back in the day. And then you see the video footage of him. I didn't think it was anything too egregious, but apparently they didn't like him mouthing off at the MTV whatever awards that would have been. Maybe probably Video Music Awards 1996. And he's saying something about like, yeah, man, meet us in the future, not in the pasture or something like that. And like that set him off or something. And they, like, they're fighting on the spot. So for whatever reason, that was an extremely short-lived reunion. And then, yeah, okay, so then it's Gary Sharon from 96 to 99. Yeah, I remember the push for that album, but I don't remember what it sounds like at all, which is not a good sign. Commercial disappointment, critical disappointment. There's all this stuff about what went down with them. Apparently, they are still very good friends and like they parted ways amicably. And I guess it came out later on that Warner Brothers forced their hand and was like, hey, man, we can't, 
<laughs> this cannot happen anymore. This was very poorly received. <laughs> Which is just like, fuck, man, to think that that's a thing that they could do. But when you're at that level, when you're on top of the world, to quote Van Halen, um, you know, I'm sure that has something to do with it. And there's, you know, they're at that level too. You, it's like everybody has their own separate manager. That was the big deal with Black Sabbath and why the full reunion didn't quite happen is because all four of the managers couldn't come to agreements on terms of the reunion or whatever. Like, it's just it's a big beast when you're at the top like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Egos, egos, dude. Yeah. And then Sammy Hagar comes back, which I barely noticed. For an undetermined amount of time. That's a thing. I know you're not a Simpsons guy, but that was a big thing on the on the Simpsons is the behind the music for the Simpsons that the award ceremony, it's to get the Simpsons back together and to try to get Van Hay or uh Finn Halen and Sammy Hagar back together. Can you hear Hello? me? Hello. Hello, yeah, can, can you hear me? Now. All right, that was weird. <laughs> it's just one of those things. By chance, do you remember the last thing I said before you couldn't hear me anymore? We were talking about egos. Yeah, yeah. Sammy Hagar gets back together with him. And then that's just kind of whatever for a few years, right? I don't remember anything distinguishable about early to mid 2000s at all. I remember a few things not. Well, so, okay, apparently, you know, this is when Eddie Van Halen starts dealing with all the throat cancer stuff and beginning treatment with that. He's having numerous incidents of drunken behavior or whatever. Apparently, as a gag, he, uh, he tries out for Limbiscuit when Limbiscuit lost West Borland and we're holding Guitar Center tryouts, if you remember that. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So somebody posted a story wow. yesterday where um where he just Holy showed up shit. with all of his shit and then just left it there for the hell of it. And so Fred Durst was like, Oh, I guess it's mine now. And then apparently Eddie Van Halen showed up with a tank, jumped out of the tank, pointed a gun at Fred Durst's head and said, Give me my shit back. And Fred Durst was like yelling to somebody to go get Eddie Van Halen a ship back. Like, oh my god. Yeah, man. That's, a tank? Like apparently. What does that even mean? Like an actual tank? I could see that. Or some like, little mini fucking tank or yeah. something. I, let me make sure I got this story correct. But I'm pretty wow. sure it said a tank and I and I'm just like, "Yeah, man, it's Eddie Van Halen. Fuck it. Let him have a tank." Um, Dude, that's crazy town right yeah, there, man. Well, speaking uh, of crazy town, 2003 is also the year that Stern leaves terrestrial radio for satellite because of whatever censorship issues, right? So right. who's the natural person you want to replace Howard Stern with? That's right. David Lee Roth. Oh, that's yeah. That's idea. right. And he, like, never showed up to any of the shows, so they canceled the fucking show. Like, he never – he always – if he oh, did show really? up to the, yeah, if he did show up to the <laughs> recordings, he was late, and then like well, most of the time he just never showed up, and they were like, "Okay, this was a bad idea." Oh my god! And yeah, and he just flat out fucking split, dude. And uh, yeah, after that, he became a, an EMT. He drove an ambulance for years, and that's what he was doing until he got back together with Van Halen, oh, man. Yeah, I remember that he was an ambulance driver. I remember that now. Yeah. Like how fucking I mean, wild dude, is it that? Dude, it just occurred. It just occurred to me. I've never heard a. I've, I haven't heard a Van Halen song after "For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge." Mm-hmm. I. I mean, yeah. not, not. Well, I mean, well, depending on when. I mean, when did Twister come out? 94? 90, 95. Yeah. So I've heard. Obviously, I've heard this, but I haven't heard the whole thing. Like I've only ever heard it on the movie Twister. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, dude. So I mean, the the last thing I've the the last thing i've heard of van halen is from 1991 i 
I was excited that they got Gary Sharon from Extreme. I, I thought that would be a good fit for them because he's not from such a big band. Holy you shit. You know, like that it's it's gonna be like, oh fucking Extreme Halen or something. You know what I mean? Like I it wasn't that big of a deal. So it's like, yeah. all right, and he's a you know, he's a pretty good singer, man. I was like, all right, that I mean that could fucking work. And I mean at the end of the day, in order for it to be Van Halen, you ha- you just have to have Eddie there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I said, I mean, very few bands are like that. And and this is one of them. If Eddie's there, you have Van Halen. You know, they eventually got rid of, you know, you know they parted ways with Michael Anthony. They got yeah. Eddie's son playing bass. And I mean, again, it still worked. You know, like I've, I mean, to me, I don't know how they fucking replaced the fucking highs, but I mean, I've never seen any of the live stuff. It's just, you know, after 91 or, you know, whatever, it's like, you know what? I have enough in the catalog. And I mean, it's not like I'm a huge fucking Van Halen or Van Hagar fan. Right. You know, it's just, I thought the move to Hagar was brilliant mm-hmm. because he did have the big, I can't drive 55 song, which was very big at the, you know, big at the time. It was like a couple of years before that. But I also think because he was almost that same style that David Lee Roth was, where he was pretty over the top himself, at least with like the partying and stuff. Yeah, in his own way, for sure. He he got the right. Cabo Wabo and Cabo but San Lucas. He was Lucas. a little more at the time. He was a little more serious of a musician. Yeah, yeah. And but you had somebody who had a little bit of juice because he had you know a little bit of a solo solo career. The one huge hit with I Can't Drive 55. So people know who he is. So you're going to pull his fans too. Mm-hmm. But he's also someone that's not so fucking big that it's going to be super weird. Like, it's going to be weird no matter what. Right. Because David Lee Roth was lit larger than life. But it's not like you pulled, it's not like you pulled an Ozzy or something. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's not like you pulled Vince Neil from fucking Motley Crue. You know, like, it's an established guy, yes, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, not necessarily probably everybody fucking knew who Sammy Hagar was. You know, he probably flew under the radar a little bit, so. Yeah. But you do have a lot of, like, you know, we talked about with Cryptopsy, when you replace the singer, I mean, you have a lot of people that are like, you know, what the fuck, you know? And so, now I have the question for you, especially since you're on the outside looking in, what do you consider, or someone your age, do you think, considers what kind of music is this fucking band i think most people now would say i guess hard rock right i think when you when they start out in the era they're coming out their extension of that broader sense of heavy metal right and then like certainly just under the you know it's that hard rock heavy metal broader term that everybody goes with and that's the thing too as soon as as soon as they get van hagar or sammy hagar (laughs) What do you call that? That's just like a broad stroke of rock in general, right? It's like if they had more complex song structure, you could almost call it progressive rock. I don't know, man. What what do you call that era in the 80s? Because fuck if I know what you call that in the 90s they were doing either. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, that's why I kind of asked because I do interact with a few people on Twitter that for them – this is their heavy metal. That's fair. I could see that. Like this is this is their version of heavy metal. This yeah. is like, you know, I've even asked those guys a couple of times, like, is you know, on a scale one to five, how heavy is for what you listen to? Where are we talking for heaviness is Van Halen for you? Because if it's a five, and that's as heavy as it gets for you, okay. Like now I know where you're coming from. Yeah. In whatever conversation we're having, right? So. 
because I mean, most people won't consider them hair metal yeah. or you know hair or glam metal. They're old enough to be classic rock. Yeah, they're basically like they're almost too much distortion to just be regular rock. Yeah. They're in a bit but, of a sweet swap between all these things. Right. They're in yeah. a really, I mean, I would just call them like a rock band. Yeah. You want to throw classic on it because it's old shirt. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. They certainly. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're classic rock in the sense of like Elton John. Or Eagles or, yeah. Eagles. And, yeah, for you know, sure. That sort of thing. Because that's, that's almost like a genre of itself. Like the When it was called classic rock, when it was like, okay, so. When we got to like the '90s, what they were calling classic rock, you know, before they started adding in like the glam stuff, mm-hmm. you know, before the 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 mid the mid to late '80s stuff got added into classic rock stations, that is what I consider classic rock. Right. Yeah. Right? I'm with That's that. Yeah. Mostly what I consider classic rock, because that didn't have like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden being played on it. That would be more on like the heavy metal side. But these guys mm-hmm. aren't like that either. Yeah. They do have like, I mean, there's a lot of distortion on the guitars, but they don't play those kind of riffs, right? It really is like a, a just a fucking straight up rock band. You know, and in fact, maybe you could even say like, because here's what it all comes down to. Where do you personally draw the line at the difference between a hard rock band and a heavy metal band? Wherever that lies, I think that's where you'll find out where Van Halen is because it's probably yeah. going to be more towards the hard rock side. Yeah, but I could also it would say be the that heavy metal side. Van Halen is the line. You know what I mean? That could be it, <laughs> it right? Might, it may very well be, dude. Yeah, because like, I would throw <laughs> ACDC on the more hard rock side just on the other side of that line, and then on the other metal side, shit, I don't know. So, there could be like a Judas people. Priest. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think that's probably good. Yeah. You know, like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. Yeah. You know, like... And going back to the I, glam I've thing, always wanted to know. Like, I, I've always thought that about this band like what yeah. is what well, are they like and you know what too when we say that we're talking specifically about the david lee roth era because once you get into it, sammy hagar again yeah it that's is. blatantly just just that's just active rock radio that's that's it's, it's journey territory yeah it's just it's just rock yeah you know like i like i said i mean that 5150 album is great and again it's Sometimes that happens. You get a new member. The first album with that new member is amazing. And then you kind of settle in and it just kind of becomes what it becomes. Mm-hmm. And it's, sometimes it's not that great. Yeah. Now, granted, like I said, for unlawful carnal knowledge, I like the album, but I mean, and it's better know you wait one too, but it's not much. I mean, right. really the only great thing to me that they did for a full album with Sammy Hagar is 5150. But on the flip side of that, the only thing that I feel like they did that was really great for a full fucking album with David Lee Roth. I mean, I'm thinking maybe 1984. Yeah. Fair, war- fair so- warning. I don't like fair warning much, but it, it it's a little more consistent from, from top to bottom. Yeah. I, but I was also looking at the first album last night going, Oh, there is more shit on here that I liked than I thought. Well, there is, but there's a lot of fucking stuff on there where I'm just like, uh, everything's a mixed bag. It is what it is. Yeah, it I mean, the, the, well, time. the first album is definitely like, yeah, okay, I would probably say the first one, top to bottom with David Lee Roth, because there's some weird shit on Fair Warning. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it I mean, Diver Down, me. half a, like a bunch of Diver Down is like covers or some shit. 
Yeah, I had three covers on that album. I didn't realize how many covers they did until last night. Like, like I was oh, like, yeah, oh dude. man, they do a lot. Yeah. Fucking Pretty Woman. Um, well, yeah, really just on fucking, me. just on Diver Down, they have Pretty Woman dancing in the street, and mm-hmm. I think it's uh, well, they have Happy Trails, which is kind of just an outro. But yeah, dude, they're for, like one of their biggest fucking songs that they play on the radio is the cover. You <laughs> know, you really yeah, got me exactly. Right after eruption, because you have to have one, with, and you can't, you know, without the other. So, can we talk about that real quick? Who the fuck, dude? Here's how badass Eddie Van Halen is. Your debut album, you have the guitar solo at the second song yeah. on the album. Yeah. That's how badass your guitar player is. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever been another band that's done anything like that. Not as far as I'm aware, you know. They were the ones that introduced a lot of the tropes that we have now, for sure. And that's one of them, you know, the guitar hero stature. Oh, going back to the Back to the Future thing. I read up on that a little more. Apparently, none of the rest of Van Halen wanted anything to do with the movie. So that's why on the tape it says Edward Van Halen. And it was just a tape of him fucking around specifically for the movie. Like, that's the kind of shit he would do. I love it, dude. (laughs) But, like, and all the other stuff, too. So we talked about Beat It. We talked about um, a number of things. There's stuff on there that I that I was reading in his credits that I never heard of. But, like, we talk about the Black Sabbath connection because apparently they were a big influence, if nothing else, on their showmanship. You know, what went back and Ozzy had the tassels on his jacket and shit and did the jumping. That's David Lee Roth took that to the next level. And they took him out. It was like they talk about Black Sabbath knew that it was time for a change or their time was kind of coming to an end with Ozzy. When they took him out on um, Never Say Die, which is considered the low light of that era, which I don't agree with. I think textu- right. technical uh, ecstasy is way worse to me. Um, well, okay, true. <laughs> but, That's true. And then, so who's the support band is Van Halen on the debut album. And it's just like, it's almost like a, I, I would say passing of the torch, but I don't think Black Sabbath wanted to give that torch up yet, you know? Granted, that's for uh, another episode another day, but, you know. So... I didn't know this, but there's a Black Sabbath song co-written by Eddie Van Halen on the Cross Purposes album. Now, granted, you're talking about Black Sabbath on Cross Purposes, you know, the real estate's <laughs> kind of on there, but I was like, okay, that's cool that they did that, even if it's it's like Brian May being on um, whatever album that was from the late 80s. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like Headless Cross, I think, maybe. And it's like, that's cool. It's Brian May with Black Sabbath. Who's singing? Oh, okay. But, like, that's cool that they did it. And there was, like, apparently there's rumors going around that it was actually Eddie doing the solo on that song. So I listened to it, and I was like, nah, I don't know about that. That, you know, you'd be able to pick it out a little easier if it was. (laughs) Going back to the distinguishable style thing, right? So, but yeah, just the fact that he was like, screw it, I'll dip my toes in whatever, man. Like that, that kind of speaks to the character of what he did and who he was. Speaking of which, I found that story real quick. So let's, let's check this out. Eddie did indeed go on to jam with Limp Bizkit at a house in Beverly Hills. Okay. So it wasn't at the guitar center, but abruptly split the session after people there began smoking pot, leaving his guitar and amp behind. I don't know. This is just like literally a clip taken from something. And this was posted by Throwdown on their Twitter just to be like, how badass is this? Right, so I don't know who Bennett, but Bennett <laughs> recounted Eddie saying the experience was like being at a scholar amongst kindergartners. Things went even further south when Eddie That's tried where he went. 
What's up? That's everywhere he went if guitar yeah. was involved. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Things went even further south when Eddie tried contacting Durst the next day to retrieve his gear and received no reply. Quote. Okay, so it wasn't a tank. Or it could be, and they're just using very broad terms. But quote. Eddie once bought an assault vehicle from the military auction, Bennett writes in Ultimate Classic Rock. Jesus Christ. It has a shine gun mount on the back and is not legal. Eddie drove that assault vehicle through L.A. <laughs> into Beverly Hills, then parked it and left it running on the front lawn of oh the house the biscuit God. rehearsing in. He got That's out wearing amazing. yeah. He got out wearing no shirt, his hair in a samurai bun on top of his head, his <laughs> jeans held together with a strand of rope and combat boots held together by duct tape. He had a gun in his hand. Bennett says he recalled Eddie telling him, That asshole answered the door. I put my fucking wait, I put my gun to that stupid fucking red hat of his and I said, Where's my shit, motherfucker? That fucking guy <laughs> just turned on to one of his employees and starts yelling at him to grab my shit. He continues, Eddie Van Halen stood on the front lawn of a residential home in Beverly Hills in broad daylight, smoking a cigarette while holding a gun on Fred Durst as he went back and forth <laughs> from the house in the assault vehicle, lugging amps and guitars. Oh, my God. And Throwdown's caption to that piece of that story just says legend and tags Eddie Van Halen in it. Dude. Yeah. Character. Lifelong character. I've man. never heard that. You know how many times I've wanted to do that to Fred Durst? <laughs> I've imagined oh, that in my head so many times. That is amazing, dude. Yeah. I guess can't wait for that Limp Bizkit episode. Oh, my God. Oh, that'll be a blast. great. Yeah. So, again, man, <laughs> legend in all walks of life. I guess on that note, man, what we another thing we should probably touch on is the Eddie bit. Or what, is it just... Well, first of all, the 5150s, the PV 5150s. Oh, and dude. The, the EVH stuff. I've never played through an EVH. I only know of like one big guitar player that really does, that shows that they do a lot. I have a couple friends that say, like, oh, it's a fucking awesome man. To me, you cannot be a 5150. You yeah. just can't. And I mean the original fucking one, right? So it's fully moddable. He wanted to make a cheap Soldano. That's what he wanted. And that's exactly what it is. It's a cheap Soldano. But he also wanted something roadworthy. I remember before, before that 5150, PV was like cheesy shit to us. PV was, you know, right there with like Crate. Ah, Crate. I can't even think of some of the other. Just really, it was just cheap gear, right? It, it wasn't made very well. And, and it wasn't supposed to be. It was it's supposed to be made cheap. Until he fucking made that 5150. And I think he started... Didn't he do guitars with PV too? Yeah, that was my recollection. He did the the line with the... It was like... I don't know if clones is the right term, but, you know, the remodels, Because I think it was... I think it was right around the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge era when he had... You know, he switched to those different guitars. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they were PV guitars. But yeah, I mean, dude, the 5150... Go back... Okay... Go through Spotify or your fucking MP3 collection or your CD or fucking record collection. Find any fucking metalcore album with any decent amount of fucking distortion on it from probably fucking 1999 to about 2005, 2006 maybe. Actually, mm -hmm. go all the way to 2007. Mm -hmm. Garen fucking T, dude, in every single one of those recordings, there's a 5150 in there. And I think they would tell you that too. They were fucking 
huge at the time because they were roadworthy. You could always get parts. You know, I mean, your shit breaks down on the fucking road, dude, and you're trying to fucking find a place that has Soldano parts. Mm-hmm. Like, forget about it. But, I mean, dude, walk into any fucking music store and say, I need this thing for a PV. It's there. Right. They have it. You know, and and that's what, it, I mean, the fucking monster fucking game, dude. I mean, everybody from Machine Head to fucking Killswitch Engage. Mm-hmm. They have at least got a 5150 in the chain. You know, there may be three or four other amps, but a 5150 is in there. Garen fucking T, dude. It was the standard. And that was all his shit. That everlasting there fucking was, legacy, 152. Dude. I never really fucked with it, but a friend of mine had one. And it was awesome. You know, and then he left PV, and that's when they switched it to 6505. Oh, is that why that is? Yes. What's they, the significance behind 6505? I've never heard one. I don't know. But I know that it's not like he had a trademark on 5150. I mean, fuck, dude. It's the fucking number code for insane. Yeah. But, I mean, it was associated with him, and that's the same deal that he had with, with – he had the 5150 on his Frankenstein guitar. He had a 5150 on the fucking head. So when he left PV, they just changed it to fucking 6505, and the, the twos were 6505+. plus. Hmm. I don't know who does the, e, the EVH – amps i don't either i know the guitars are uh charvel jackson under fender or whatever right but i don't know about the amps right and i mean dude his frankenstein guitar i mean there's been people that have tried to remake that guitar forever i mean forever and the crazy thing was i remember reading a thing where um oh wow so evh is the brand oh okay that makes sense. And they actually have a 5150 series. Well, that's mm. cool. I didn't know that. So basically, like, this, what happened? Well, he went to the Kramer shop. This is why no one could recreate it, right? He went to the fucking Kramer, like, work, like their shop, and then fucking basically, like, went through, like, their junk pile hmm. and, like, put together a guitar. Allah so I'm looking at these, man. I'm looking at these 5150 series guitars from evh and they have they really do look like the old kramer guitars hmm. but basically like he no one knows what he grabbed out of there it, it was it was all unlabeled stuff right so they don't you know no one really knew so it was like well even when kramer kramer tried to come out with a frankenstein guitar like a legit version of it and i mean they just had to make one and have it look the same right because mm. Even they, they, you know, they said they don't, they don't know what's in it either because it was all this stuff from this throwaway pile and no one knows what's in there. It was all unlabeled shit. Hmm. And this motherfucker just puts all that shit in there and just fucking, I mean, forget about it, dude. You think iconic guitars, you think fucking Frankenstein, you think the fucking polka dot flying V, you know, you think dime bags, whatever the fuck those things were. Right. What were those? Dean fucking whatever. It's was ex- not too dissimilar. It's just something he found in a uh, pawn shop one day, and he's and then from then on, he said he wanted. Right, it was like a those. V with an extra fucking prong. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Right, <laughs> you know, you think it like um, probably not the Warlocks or whatever, because you know Carrie and Jeff played those, but they also played a lot of other things. Yeah, but like Brian May's guitar, he built that yeah. himself. Yep. there's no other guitar that looks like that. Out of a piece of wood he found in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like those wait, stories what? yeah right yeah those those fucking stories you know what i mean like uh, you know steve Vai with the fucking guitar with the fucking handle cut out of it yeah exactly yeah you know i mean there's certain guitars just the look of them the maroon gibson sg will always be angus young mm-hmm. that's not that easy to do either <laughs> no i'm telling you like everything like the dude just changed everything changed everything yeah you know it's just even the look of the guitar which is literally just a red guitar with a bunch of fucking black and white tape on it yeah pretty much you know, it's, right? it's like i mean and now you go to like the evh website and they have a stripe series and it i mean there's like everything dude there's a stripe series frankie stripe series 5150 stripe series with the yellow and black the bumblebee guitar oh yeah 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 okay um there's one that's called a shark there's one that's uh, left hand. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy, dude. Like, because he also had a black and white striped one too. So he had a, he had the bumblebee one, then he had the black and white one. Hmm. But I honestly don't remember like when he because I know the yellow one, the bumblebee one was like almost like seventy nine or something like that when he kind of came up with that, and that's the one that he fucking buried with Dimebag. Oh, that one specifically. Yeah. Oh, damn, man. Yeah, huh. I think it was that yellow and black one, dude. Hmm. It's fucking crazy because like he. You know, and then eventually he could do fuck like I just said. I mean, he ended up coming up with his own company. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're Michael Jordan, you have your own shoes, right? I mean, if you're yeah, Eddie yeah, Van Halen, you have your own fucking amps and you have your own guitars. Makes sense to me. Fucking hey, man. What a legacy to leave in general across multiple platforms via stories or gear or records or whatever, man. Well, that's some of the cool thing about old 80s stuff and late 70s was all the stories yeah you could just get away with so much bullshit back then oh yeah in that case you know one you know, thing we need to touch on is the writer oh yeah the fucking m&ms with all the brown ones taken out yeah which that they, shit is in like shrek isn't it that the uh, they talk about it in wayne's world too yeah it, they do a, a version of it but um it's, everybody it's, knows it's the story crossed, yeah it's crossed into so many different things in one way or another yeah, it's, and, it's almost anytime you have somebody talking about a writer. Yeah, and and, exactly, and there's yeah. some there's something weird on the writer. Mm-hmm. It's ninety nine percent of the time it's in reference to that. Yeah, and that was just chalked up to like rock stars being like we can get ever whatever you know get away with whatever we want. Then you find out some time later that they're like, oh no no no, there's a reason for all that shit, and that and the, yes. specifically the the brown M and M's thing was put in the technical section specifically going to make sure that if it, if they got that small detail down then they actually read the whole writer and followed yep. it to a T it was a test of like how concise they were actually following the contract to the point where if they if they didn't do that they would take that contract and say hey you didn't follow the shit fix this so yep. and apparently it's, part it's almost that, like can we trust you yeah cuz apparently part of that goes back to some gig where like somebody could have died from an electrocution thing or something right this was for their safety and and upkeeping of professionalism so now in retrospect you're like oh okay that's actually yeah like how fucking cool is that yeah so that there another was an actual legacy. meaning behind it yeah another another thing they set the standard i mean it's for. cool either way yeah yeah regardless <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think before we get into the list, man. Like, I feel like new so pictures of B. Arthur. Things. Yeah, B. Arthur, outstanding. God, I want to watch that again. 
it's been so long. But like, oh, it's been forever. Yeah, I feel like we could just keep going down the list of things, man, because there is so much. But is there anything important we should touch upon? We've pretty much covered all the bases, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of much more. I mean, the keyboards, him bringing in keyboards and stuff, it's like you had this definite line of like keyboards are fucking lame versus keyboards are fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And he tended to blur that line. I knew oh, a yeah. lot of fucking people that didn't like keyboards in their music, and, and, and but they still liked Van Halen. Mm-hmm. You know, and he just... It was just like everything he fucking touched was just like gold. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, so fucking cool. Let's get into it. It is now time for the namesake, The List. The List of Metal. Jason, honorable mentions. <laughs> honorable mentions. So I'll wait off of 5150. Dude, the fucking keyboards on that shit is cool as fuck. It's a little bit of a strutter. Like kiss. That makes like <laughs> okay. true. Sorry, it's not off fifty one fifty. Spaced off which one it was. It's off nineteen eighty four. Mm. It's just that bass sound. The bump 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 bump, and then bow now, bow now, bow bow now, bow. Like it's really fucking cool, and it's it's really. It's really strutty, dude. Like, just dripping with fucking swagger and fucking ego. And Another one, dude, is fucking cool because he used to hold this. He What he did was he held a drill over the pickups. Paul Gilbert had the drill with the picks on it. Mm-hmm. He just held the drill over it and has, it gives us a like kind of a sound. But Pound Cake from For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge is a really cool fucking song as well. I It's probably my favorite off of that album. You know, as much as... um. We call it um, right now, and and top of the world were even bigger songs, you know. But the way it starts, it's just a you know, and then it's a and then Alex is just like he's just Alex, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool because like again, it's it's that same kind of deal where like the bass is running on one note, the guitar is playing a few different notes, and it gives it like this really cool uh, feel to it, you know. Again, sexual nature. It's like I fucking love all my ladies pound cake or something ridiculous, dude. It's like whatever. As only um, he could say it. <laughs> you know what's weird? It's like they weren't, they weren't, I guess, it's weird because, I mean, you know, yeah, it was a, a lot of that time was, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But it, some of the stuff, like, as uh, obvious as it is, it's still not as obvious as, like, 90s r&b and rap <laughs> no that's true yeah, yeah well they yeah I mean, they put it way more on front street oh yeah dude yeah. i mean these guys all try to be a little more subtle mm-hmm. but another good one uh is where have all the good times gone off a of diver down you know start out down down you know that's that fucking awesome guitar sound don't 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 like a little fucking vibe to it dude like but it's kind of like a, a cool fucking party song, you know, where have all the good times gone, that sort of thing. Like, But, you know, it's really weird because there's another one in my list, but I think this is the the second song that they have that has an exclamation point. <laughs> it's not a question mark. It's where have all the good times gone, but not a question mark. It's an exclamation point, and I'm like, wait, what? I got you one know? of those, I think. 
<laughs> so weird, dude. But oh, there's yeah. another one too, man. I yep. just saw another one on Fair Warning. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So then my probably my number one honorable mention is a really weird one. Now you mentioned last night you had a weird kind of out of left field honorable mention. So I said so did I. And we're at that point, and I'm kind of curious if it's the same one because this shit is like. Mine is Push Comes the Shove from Fair Warning. Ah, okay. It's not that. Okay, okay. But But again, it's that thing where, you know, David Lee Ross is like smoking on a cigarette. Like, he's just sitting there fucking talking. Yeah. You know, and then it gets, you know, right. And he's he's kind of just like, I mean, I guess it's probably considered part of the intro. You know, and then it's like, it's got the bump, 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 you know, and then this little high shimmery guitar. And, and like when I said before that the guitar is all only on the left side, it's not true. It's the majority of the guitars on the left side. And then when he hits like a little lead lick or obviously the solos and stuff like that, like then it goes to both speakers. Mm-hmm. But he also plays around and he has guitar that's all in what it's only in left speaker. Then it disappears from the left speaker and goes into the right. Hmm. It's, it's something I just never noticed, like, when you're listening to it, just, like, on the radio or just in the car in general. It's it's something I've only ever really noticed. I mean, I noticed it a long time ago. But I believe the first time I noticed it, and, and obviously where it's more pronounced, where everything's more pronounced, is in headphones. Hmm. You know, and then obviously, if you're listening on the phone, then, you know, everything's just through the one speaker or whatever. But right. this is, like a funky little jam it's so incredibly different than than anything else and i think this guitar solo i I would probably say this is my favorite guitar solo from eddie van halen oh like it's it's choppy a little bit because of the tempo of the song and the like the funkiness of the song so the solo gets a little bit of a funky choppiness to it as well some cool legato stuff in there Hmm. Again, with that slur thing like it's really fucking cool, dude. Like, if you haven't ever heard that song, man, you need to listen to it because I feel like Fair Warning is one of their Fair Warning and probably Diver Down, as far as the old stuff, is probably the two least known. And judging from these bars, I mean, aside from the hits like Unchained and I think Where Have All the Good Times Gone, probably the two cover Dancing in the Street and Pretty Woman, I don't think these two albums have a whole lot of fucking plays on them you know so makes sense i can't remember when i heard push comes to shove it's probably around you know 2000s somewhere in there where i was like you know i was able to download a lot of a lot of music you know mm-hmm. and it was like you know i want to check out some of these other van halen songs like the deeper cuts and whatnot and uh, for sure like this really just like jumped out. Cause I mean, when you hear something that's that different, it's just like, <laughs> it's like walking into a fucking room in a regular suit, but you have like Chrome shoes on. Right. You know, it's just out there. Shit. What about your honorable mentions? So I ended up with fewer than I thought I was going to have originally after I went back and listened to some of these. Cause a lot of this, I'm just going off of memory and just like, Oh yeah, I remember liking this one a lot. And then I actually go back and listen and I am either able to pick out new things about songs I already liked or, in some cases, uh, not as much as I thought I did before. So this has been an interesting one. So honorable mentions, this is where all the Hagar stuff is going. So I got to go right now. 
because it's just a cool ass song with all the piano interplay catchy ass chorus i like the video where it's all right now somebody's going to a nude beach for the first time or whatever you know? right yeah the video is pretty cool yeah and i guess that's something to touch on too is van halen had the sick videos well so that was another one i went back and watched the video for pretty woman last night and i was like ooh, i remember liking this a lot more years ago this this is this is pretty fucking hokey which could be said about a lot of them um but the only other honorable mention i have is i always say you never forget your first the first one i remember ever hearing humans being from the twister soundtrack man <laughs> is that your left field one that's my left field one yeah <laughs> that's just as <laughs> that you know what i mean that's like that that's not a lot that's not one that's going to be on the tips of a lot of people's tongues but again because that's what was out there when i was first coming into prominence as a music fan or whatever right when i was really getting super more into music it's like somebody you know statistically speaking the first metallica song somebody's gonna have heard at a certain point was i disappear off the mission impossible 2 soundtrack or you know even even the push from say oh man i'm trying to find out a better example of black sabbath oh no i do have a weird example for black sabbath but that's for a black sabbath op- or episode um but you know what I mean? Like, like people coming in at certain points, that's whatever their introduction is, is just whatever their introduction is. And that was mine for Van Halen. And at first I thought it was David Lee Roth because it would have been that kind of gray area close to, if not quite a year of when it was transitioning back to David Lee Roth. I thought it was David Lee Roth, but found out later on. And that's a song that could go either way as far as who's singing it too. You know what I mean? It's not like super demanding or unique to one singer or the other so i could have seen it going either way but yeah that's that's my lot of left field one the random ass one from the twister soundtrack that i first heard because it was being pushed on rock radio (laughs) in the mid 90s (laughs) on that note what is your number five this is actually a song i would probably say a lot of people might not know just because like or, or they might not remember like it probably gets forgotten a lot one it's pretty deep cut two it's pretty deep cut Jamie Jossa style. It's like towards the end of the album. And also the name of the song. So most of the name of their songs, like, you know, summer nights is like hot summer nights in my radio or whatever. Yeah. And then obviously jump Panama, that shit. Right. They all say it in the, in the thing, but mine is 5150. Mm, right on. And it's got that. It's fucking like a lot of their songs it opens up with just Eddie playing. You know, and it does have a ton of distortion, but it really opens up like the tone for the notes to be heard. But then, and then everything kicks in. It's just a big, and he kind of plays a version of the intro or whatever. But it's basically a song. So it's 5150. Mm-hmm. It's the thing for like crazy, insane, like that sort of thing. And yeah. it's a song about, I'm sure they're talking about a specific, like a lover. <laughs> you know? But I mean, if you've ever been in any kind of relationship, you know, friendship, romantic relationship, business related, and the person's driving you nuts, that's pretty much what the song's about. Makes sense. But like the fucking chorus, you know, it builds up. Like it just fucking kicks in. It has this little guitar, like, you know, and, and Sammy's just, his vocal delivery is perfect. 
the the line is always one more you're never satisfied i mean again it's it's about somebody driving you crazy and it's just there's nothing enough for that person you know right. and so i think that's where the 5150 comes is like you're driving me crazy mm-hmm. but again like this album is just like really it's one of those um what's the, what's the term lightning in a bottle right yeah you know it was it was new energy coming in and and it's two years after their biggest album, 1984. That mm. was like their peak with David Lee Roth. And, and then he leaves and they're like, oh, fuck. Like, what do we do? And they get fucking Sammy. And two years of, write, of writing, you'll get to know each other, I'm sure. You know, um, right. Probably working with, because I think it's the same producer who did like almost all their shit. But he also produced most of Sammy's shit as well. So everybody's just getting together, you know, and like, all right, we got this. You know, we're a new thing now. Like, and it's it's really kind of hungry. You know, it's, we got something to prove we're going to be fine without David Lee Roth. And Sammy's got to prove like, you know, Hey, like I can work within the the construct of Van Halen and, and not necessarily David who, but you know, like, Hey, I got to solidify my spot as the singer of this band. Right. And I just don't think they ever got back to this level. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, that's true they settled into what, what it became and it became something else. And it's fine. Like, I mean, if you like, Oh, you wait one, two and for unlawful car and knowledge of balance, that's fine. If, if what they became for you works for you, then that's fucking great. Just for me, it's, it's, it's really weird because they're, they had this peak at the end of one of the singers tenure and their peak at like the very next thing they do is the peak at the start of the other guy's tenure. Yeah. And it's just this weird double peak of like, oh, old guy, new guy. And then it just, it just kind of flattens out from there on, on either end. Not snow, not flatten out until the debut. The debut was out the gate was just huge. Yeah. Huge. Spoiler. I don't necessarily think I have anything off the first one on my list. I mean, obviously I love those songs, you know, running with the devil's great eruption doesn't count for our list. Although it's, fucking amazing guitar solo jamie's crying ain't talk about love like the fucking staples you know i mean fact isn't it uh no it's uh ain't talk about love i don't know if you remember this or not but that lick it's that's the fuck shop by two life crew <laughs> oh for real like do you remember that i remember two life crew i just guess i never put that together <laughs> yeah that's that's the fucking lick they use for, oh, for the for the song dude no kidding. fucking kills me dude like it's fucking great but yeah eagerly await our two live crew episode to be done in the future <laughs> shout out luther campbell right. um wow uh anything else you want to add about that not <laughs> about two time. live crew but but about 5150 <laughs> Oh no, that I'm <laughs> I'm good on fifty one fifty. What's your number five? My number five, dance the night away. Oh fuck! Just got so we talk about like they don't have a lot of actual substance in their songs or whatever. They're all just fun, you know, good time fun songs. That's exactly what this is, right? I mean, dance the night away. Unless there's some sort of super hidden subversive meaning. That's so intricate. I'm just not hearing it. Bow, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. I have a feeling that's not the case. 
Oh, dude, the harmonies on it, like it's oh yeah, man, outstanding. It's a, it's a singer, man. It's like like it's just it's melody all the way. It reminds me of going to visit Walt Disney World when it was okay. It wasn't brand new, but it was you know like in the mid to late '80s as a young kid. Okay, no, no, eight, late '80s because it was '89. But you know what I mean? It's just like good times in the '80s song, right? And oh maybe, yeah, big time. And I was just like, now that I'm thinking about it, is this was this off of one of the uh, ones in the late seventies? But I don't know. Tomato tomato. It's just a fun song, man. And it's just it's a it just reminds me of good times. It's not too oh, much yeah. more complicated than that. Just like the lyrics. So on that note, what's your number four? Hold on, I have to clear something up on the fuck shop real quick. <laughs> okay. For all the two also, live true also, diehards listening. <laughs> Also, the garbage truck is like right outside my window right now. So if you hear that tough shit, but no, the actually the first lick you hear in the fuck shop is "Sweet Child of Mine." Mm. You know, it's do 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 do, and then it fucking bam 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 mashup. I just wanted to be clear. Hey, fair. We have to distinguish all these things when we're talking about things like that. It's, it's our integrity at stake here, man. <laughs> And it's still fucking with me that I remember that. Because I, I might just wait a sec for this garbage truck to go by. Jesus. I might have to listen to that again just for reference sake after this, man. I haven't heard Two Life Crew and I don't even want to think about how long. Bye, garbage truck. Jason, what is your number four? My number four is And the Cradle Will Rock. Ah. From the album, Women and Children First. the first song on the album. And it's got that cool flanger pedal. Yeah, yeah. Start. I've always liked it. Trying to think of when I first heard it, but this was one of the ones I'd heard like my sisters playing, Mm -hmm. like when I was younger or whatever. He talks about. I'm not sure what it's talking about. I, I, I guess what he's talking about is like from an older point of view and like the, the newer generation or whatever has a, like basically like mm-hmm. we have a new thing going on, you know, almost like a, it's a song by Billy Joel, still rock and roll to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, we got this new thing happening and we're part of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's kind of what they're saying with the song, you know? It actually, you know, I say rock doll. Like, and then it kind of like mellows out a little bit. And I mean, Eddie goes right into some fucking prime tapping, dude. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost every, I mean, you can almost say every Eddie solo is <laughs> just the fucking shit. I For mean, sure. he just, when he has a time to shine, he really fucking shines. Yeah. You know, yeah, this song almost stops fucking cold, you know, and then it's like, you see Jimmy's grades and then it goes back to that flange and then it kicks back in. And then there's the next part of the solo, not as tappy tap, but probably like Alex Lifeson style where it's like some chords, higher chords and some little bit of noise, you know, and then right back in. And then it's like verse, I think it's another verse and then chorus out. Cool fucking song, dude. I think that's all I have for that. What about you for number four? My number four you ever see the John Cusack movie, Better Off Dead? Fuck yeah, I have. So you know where I'm going from here. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants some 
with two exclamation points. Yeah, two exclamation points. Yeah, because one's not enough. <laughs> right. This this one's a rocker, dude. Oh yeah. What what is some and why does everybody want it? I don't know. Again, and I want some too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just good fun, man. And it's fucking again. We talk about heavier songs. This is definitely one, dude. This is you could see like where some of that Pantera DNA was coming from, especially early on with some of this stuff right here. It's a driving ass song, man. But dude, the Alex Yeah, that little And just the crazy little of the guitar in the background. Like But this is the one I was talking about when I said like, you know, everything kind of dies out. You know, and it's just it's just him talking. You know, like he just decided he didn't want to write another verse or something yeah you know because it totally mellows out and plays that intro shit he's talking about like the line up the back of the stockings and no leave your high heels leave them all on yeah that's that's definitely a relic of the time i'll know what some is and why they want it this is my number two hey there we go yeah, yeah. I, I dig it. So I mean, re- revisited. Be, yeah, better off, dude. Like it's the fucking little claymation hot dog, or sorry, hamburger with the Eddie Van Halen guitar. Yep. You know, he he. They have the whole Frankenstein fucking scene where fucking he's, and they have signups as everybody wants. Everybody wants some, you know. And he's like, everybody wants some, <laughs> you know. And he he fucking throws this huge slab of hamburger down and he's got this like mad scientist fucking outfit on. It starts to lightning outside. And in the background, you could just hear the boom, boom, you know, and then he puts it in the fucking thing. The lightning fucking hits it, dude. And all of a sudden there's this fucking hamburger with the Eddie Van Halen guitar starting to fucking play. Everybody wants some. And I think there's a girl hamburger too, that just shows up out of nowhere. Oh, uh, maybe I haven't seen it. In I mean, movies. it's a Cusack movie from the eighties. That's how it works, right? Yeah, no, that's true. That but yeah, true. I mean, that's, I think that's the first time I ever heard that song. At least that's the first time I remember hearing it was on that movie. And mm-hmm. I've loved the fucking song ever since then, dude. That might've been mine too. Oh, dude, I watched, I've, I've watched that movie so many fucking times, dude. Like it's crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, it's a big section of the movie, you know, and I mean, it's like one of those things. It's like you see the movie, you never really forget it, you know, and that's why it's my number two. It's just always stuck with me. And yeah, it is one of the heavier ones also. It's just a song that works, man. <laughs> don't know how else to phrase it. So much so that Richard Linkletter made the title of his movie about coming of age in 1979 slash 1980. Everybody wants some. I heard it's really good too. I gotta watch it one really? day. It was, it's supposed to be a spiritual. Are all of his movies coming of age? <laughs> I guess so. Well, I don't know about Scanner Darkly. I never saw that. Well, yeah, but I mean, Dazed and Confused. I guess. Days, yeah, and that's what this was. Was the spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused. So I got. I guess I gotta watch it one day. I like. I like Kurt Russell's kid. He's. He just seems like a fun actor. I love that episode of Black Mirror. He's in. I derailed myself by talking about Black Mirror. I don't think On I've that ever note, seen Kurt Russell's son, but did you watch Twenty Two Jump Street? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You're good. On that note, what is your number three? My number three is a live version, specifically 
from Live Without a Net, and that is Best of Both Worlds. Ah. I definitely remember, I mean, it's, it's 1986. I mean, by this time, I'm fucking 12 years old. Like, now I'm starting to listen to shit that just, I'm getting into more stuff that isn't just on the radio, right? I mean, although this was all over the fucking radio, don't get me wrong. But, but I'm starting to figure out, like, you know, what I fucking like and what I don't. I mean, it's easier now for kids because Spotify is there. They can explore so much more than I was able to explore at the time. Mm. But when I heard the album, you know, it's, it's kind of a weak, I feel like it's a weak version. You know, it's just boom drums come in and then it immediately goes to like this finger picking almost clean i think it's it's like a little bit dirty clean might be totally clean and then it just kind of on the live version man like they do this whole fucking thing with like eddie and sammy you know like sammy would sing a line and eddie would play that line on his guitar a la yankee rose when fucking david lee roth is is singing you know, and Steve Vai is matching him, you know, talking back with him with the guitar, right? Yeah. Same kind of deal. Uh, pretty common in blues songs, except usually a lot, well, a lot of times, it's, you know, the singer is the guitar player. So he'll do the line, then he'll do the line on his guitar or whatever. So they do this whole thing. And then he's like, you know, then Sammy's like, I want the best of both worlds. And then they fucking, and it's just like huge distortion. And it's like it's it's a little more aggressive, so it's a little bit faster. The clean isn't totally clean because he just has to turn his guitar down a little bit, you know, like to where he's not getting full distortion. But like the the chorus parts where it opens up a little bit, even on the regular album version, it's just a it's just heavier. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a thousand times heavier. It's just it's just heavier, you know, yeah. like and. The guitar sounds so fucking good on it. And if you've ever seen the music video on MTV, it's that version. So it's the one where they're doing their little fucking strut across the stage. You know, they're walking in step. They're all three in a line. It's Michael. It's Eddie in the front, Sammy in the middle, Michael on the back. And then they do it back the other way. And I mean, Michael's throwing down these crazy harmonies on the best of both worlds part. And I mean, he's sharing the mic with Sammy. You know, it's like, well, how hot is that mic? Or how loud is Michael Anthony? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I, I saw that, you know, I, I had the album. I liked the whole album. The song was out on the radio. I thought it was, it was cool. I, I didn't really love the fucking song on the radio. It was just, okay, cool, new Van Halen, right? And then, then they released it as a single and put the video on MTV and just straight up relieved the, released the live version. I was like, God, dude, like. You know, and I mean the solo. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. Like he's got those big these things where he's, I mean he's fucking hitting the whammy bar. He's fucking sliding up to this note and then bending it and tapping back down. Like I mean it's a really, it's one of his more like kind of a slurry solo. It's one of his solos that seems it, it, it seems a little bit off. Right. And maybe some of that's like the you know that's maybe that's the blues thing and that's like a real southern thing like. Uh, like we talked about in the down episode, how Phil Anselmo and, and Jimmy Bauer say like, you know, you got to learn to play, play just behind the beat. You know, you, you 
play right behind the beat and adds this greasiness to everything. And that's how Pepper Keenan put it. It adds a greasiness to everything. And maybe that's what that is. It's just that blues style creeping in, but he's still like that. He's like the shreddy blues guy, right? I mean, that's just who he is. So I'm still not particularly fond of the album version. I'll listen to it, but I don't really enjoy it as much. So it really has to be specifically the live without a net version, because that's the other thing. I've heard other versions of the song live. They got a few live songs, a few live albums on Spotify and some live stuff on YouTube. And it's not the same. It's got to be the live version from live without a net. I can dig it. What is your number three? So I'm noticing a recurring theme in my uh, song choices from here out now. They're all I, the most dad cheese fucking way to put it. <laughs> Thanks. Fucking driving rockers, man. Or rocking driving <laughs> songs. I don't know. You know what I mean? But Drive rock. Yeah. I'm going ain't talking about love. Oh, shit. You know, at the beginning to just the way that it continues from there on, man. Or even, like, where things start to quiet down in the bridge and, like, like, you know, the drums get louder every time he starts singing again. Like, the whole thing, front to back. The outro, like, it's awesome, dude. I um I had an old band that thought it'd be fun to like do a, a chuggy version of that song. And that's only because we saw Sever Your Ties back in the day do the uh, breakdown version of Jump by Van Halen. So Oh really? Yeah. That was fun. But like, yeah, man, this is just another Yeah. So if they it's another one of those things. You ain't talking about love, what are you talking about? Doesn't matter. Just enjoy the song. <laughs> Just go with it, man. Like, it's just another fun song, man. Enjoy it. Uh, hey, talk about love. Yeah. It's just. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the fucking hey, 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 hey at the end. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Little gang chants before gang chants were a thing, man. They're like, we forgot all the words. Yeah. We say hey, hey. Yep. <laughs> it works it's, it's definitely just, not the case but yeah it's just like we're not even gonna say the words anymore we're just gonna say hey 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 like yep oh yeah um, dude that's a classic yeah obvious yeah uh and you already said your number two was everybody wants some yes so we are on to number poo for you yes so again keeping in the theme here I'm going panama because <laughs> fucking obviously <laughs> Right? Like, oh, yeah, dude. For the sure. drums going in the back. You got the riff. And then just kicking right into the main meat of the song. Ooh, fucking right into yeah, it, dude. Yeah, Wow. Oh, dude. It's a good song. Yeah. Definitely has the ease the seat back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He sounds exactly. all fucking drunk, just like, what's this, like, a head, my head between my legs. Mm-hmm. He's a seat back or some shit. But, yeah, that harmonic shit. Oh, it's fucking really good. And definitely a drive rocker. Yeah. Fist pumper, for That's sure. Right. It's got the Dave fucking chirps. Ah, mm-hmm. Like, I mean. You know what's funny? The video's too? fun as fuck, too. Have you ever seen it? 
yes, it's them doing. And they're like flying across the stage on those fucking yeah. those harnesses and shit. Like, oh, yeah. dude, <laughs> it's just like because that I I missed the chance to see him. I'm guessing you probably did too. Like, fucking you what? Sorry, you, cut up. I I missed the chance to see him when they were like you know giving it a go. So like I'm assuming that's just like a little time capsule view of what that could have been like at the you know especially in the height of things when they were like in full force in the early 80s right um so it's like a little hey here's what here's what it was like basically dude that fucking part in the solo where so he's got the like and then he hits this like it's so behind the beat like it's crazy Mm -hmm. like it it adds this whole different element and then it almost he almost talks it. Yeah, that little build up in the bridge. Yeah, they, they could do a good bridge, man. Oh yeah, I mean this is like got to be. I mean, I'm looking at the plays right now. I mean, it's got to be one of their top fucking songs. Yeah, I mean this was everywhere on MTV when I was a kid. Right. You know, I mean, fuck, dude, like. It was it was so fucking huge. Classic MTV back in the day. Oh, I'm like listening to it now. It's, I reached down between my legs, ease the seat back, and I'm like, is he jerking off in his car? <laughs> is that what's happening? I, I'm not uh, sure what's happening. I would. Not I just be like surprised. the idea of like I want to I want to be like a fly on the wall when they're writing the song and they're just like I can't come up with a chorus, man. What should we come up with? Mm-hmm. And just one of them just out of nowhere just is. Mm -hmm. all right cool yeah i was just your panama then (laughs) just for no reason like what the fuck does panama have to do with anything yeah but uh that reminds me have you seen that movie sahara with uh, with matthew mcconaughey McConaughey and and williams on i have not seen it but i'm aware of his existence oh dude and they have like you know it's one of those movies where they have this this uh you know special move that they do and it has like this real obscure name Mm -hmm. so they, you know, we need to do a Panama right now. But Panama, are you crazy? We got to do a Panama. It's the only way we're getting out of here. So they do this whole Panama thing, whatever the fuck it is. I can't remember. They're in a boat trying to get away from some people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I believe, I can't, I can't remember it fully, but I believe they, that they explained that the reason they called it Panama, someone was like, did you do this in Panama? And they're like, no, we were listening to Panama when we did it the first time. Yeah. So Nice. But yeah, it's like, it's what just out, just for, I mean, I don't know if anybody else has thought of that, but I've always thought of that. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Just Panama, Panama. Oh, that's it. That's the whole chorus. Mm-hmm. So they yeah, I'd probably just, I would love to, I, I also wouldn't mind trying some of the drugs that they had to come up with that name. <laughs> Cause it's like, what? You're like, I don't. And I don't think I don't think they have a whole lot of the songs like that where they just have this random word for no, for just no reason. We need something here. <laughs> what fits, you know, consonant wise? Yeah, we 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 need a three uh, three syllable word. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they were in Panama when they wrote it. I don't know. Yeah, you know what sounds like a fun place to visit? Fucking dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Such a strange song. We are at that time. What we are number one, yeah. one, one. What is your number one? Okay, this is gonna piss a lot of people off, but my number one is Dreams off of Fifty One Fifty. 
super melodic, super catchy, super radio. But this band has never been about being heavy to me. It's more about, in fact, a lot of the songs that I prefer are the songs where Eddie is, he has other songs where he flexes a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he definitely does. Shit like little guitars and, or he, fuck, he even ain't talking about love. I mean, it's, you know, he's doing a lot. But like the whole intro where the, you hear the acoustic guitar on the right side, the keyboard on the left, I did not like this song when I was younger. But again, I was always trying to find heavier shit, you know. So the big part for me is like the chorus, like the way Sammy sings the chorus, we'll get higher and higher, straight up we'll climb. And then there's the keyboard. It works. Everything's like, um, call it. it's like interlocking, you know. It's like he's not just going along with the 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 keyboard, the keyboard's not going along with what he's doing. So mm-hmm. it really interlocks really well. But it's weird because it's like they have the whole part of that's what dreams are made. But I, is that like a – is there two choruses in the song? I guess I've never mm. really thought about that. But. Yeah. You know, because they got – so baby, dry your eyes. But there's – so there's the first solo. You know, it's and it's a like it's all off it's right. so off it's kind of herky-jerky and it's like that's that shit that trey isaac thought is talking about man like it's yeah. just weird sounding but it's not weird sounding because he's been doing it his whole career only he fucking does that shit it goes back into the fucking higher and higher part and then it's like one of my favorite parts is the next one, the next solo, you know, where he kind of, like the, like the intro, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> he taps the whole back part of it. And it's just like, God, dude, who the fuck is doing this? Yeah. Like no one was listening much to Yngwie Malmsteen back then. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think Impelitary was a band yet. George Lynch, while an amazing guitar player, was not doing this fucking stuff. You know, Randy Rhodes had already died in that freak accident. I mean, Mick Mars, C.C. Hmm. DeVille. I mean, Kirk Hammett, 86, so that's Master Puppets. But it's a whole different thing. Like, it's, it's not... Hammett didn't have as melodic solos, as, you know, with the taps and, and whatnot. Like... You know, most of those really hyper melodic solos, well, two of them, whatever, was Hetfield doing them. You know, Kamet was more of like a, a just a real speed solo kind of guy. Like, and he excelled at that. He's one of the best at that. No one was doing something like that. I mean, again, this applies to almost every fucking guitar solo Eddie had, obviously. Right. But just this one where he has just like. So he has this trademark, just like really off, really kind of out there, breaking all the rules kind of solo. Comes back to another solo. But yeah, just to do this, oh, I'm going to do this regular melodic solo. Oh, wait, here's some taps, because that's what I do better than anybody else. You know, it's, fuck. But it's just a situation where it's like, the melody line just works for me so good, dude. If it does it for someone else, that's fine. You know, I, I do remember the music video. It's mostly just footage of the Blue Angels. Huh. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> you're on the cheap. I get it. Eh, Fine. Sign of the time, but, maybe. You know, and maybe they needed something quick or whatever. It's like, oh, we'll just buy some footage from the from the Blue Angels or whatever. Yeah. And 
it is kind of cool because I mean I do like the lyrics. I do like the subject matter. You know, it's it's about fucking following your dreams and we're, you know, and in the end on wings we will ascend. Is that what he's saying? Something of that nature. Saying. Yeah. Oh, so it's and, and in the end on dreams we will depend because that's what love is made of. And you know, it's like that's what dreams are made of. That's what love is made of. You know, it's we'll get higher and higher, straight up climb higher and higher, leave it all behind. You know, oh, well, oh, well, higher and higher. Who knows what we'll find? Like, it's all like, you know, you're chasing your dream. And it's like, there's one line in the start where it's like, reach for the golden ring, reach for the sky. Baby, just spread your wings. We'll get higher and higher. It's, it's, it's strange coming from this band. They're, they have a song like this. Yeah, I can see that. You know, they don't have a ton of them. I'm not saying none of that other stuff is, but for the most part, most of it isn't. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty much from what I get. I mean, that's ultimately what kind of split the wedge between Eddie and David was this is more of what Eddie wanted. So, and I mean, he got it and it's a fucking great song. Yeah. I'm curious to hear what dad rocker is number one on your list. Well, it's actually something a little more obvious than I thought it was going to be like when I was compiling everything and I really thought about it and I was like, huh, okay. Any guesses? Dude, is it jump? Uh, no, 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 not that obvious, but <laughs> probably the next closest one. Running with the devil. Closer Damn to jump. It. Son of a bitch. All right, hold on. Good God. Dude, it's not hot for teacher, is it? It is. Oh my God, really? <laughs> so, you know, coincidentally, this I was the got video. My pencil. Yeah. All that shit, dude. <laughs> so, I'm 11 years old. I just got done hearing, um, what was it? Yeah, Humans Being off the Twister soundtrack, and then the, the stuff off the compilation, where it's like, oh, David Lee Roth is back for the first time, and it's, can't get this stuff no more and whatnot. And just like, oh, this is, I'm finally seeing Motley Crue for the first time that people have been talking about and not Generation Swine, or I'm not, you know, whatever song I first heard from Bon Jovi that wasn't this ain't no love song. This is the video that I see from Van Halen where it's like, Oh, this is what everybody's talking about. And I was like, okay, this shit makes sense. You know what I mean? It's over the top cheesy. It's very sexualized. Everybody's playing on 10 out of 10. It's the complete package, dude. And it's, you got Alex starting in with the drums. There was the big rumor because nobody really heard double bass stuff like that at the time. Everybody, There was rumor that it was the exhaust pipe on somebody's motorcycle or whatever backfiring. Yes. Until uh, you heard Harley. the... Yeah, and then they tell you to hear the toms and the cymbals and all that, and he's just ripping yeah. into it. And then Eddie coming in with the soul or the lead fucking going on top of that, and, the, and then it just kicks into the song and it's got as they're getting all theatrical with it with that ah what about the teachers gonna look like this year yeah i mean and and then getting all the crazy solos and then the big time swing fucking closer at the end and oh yeah and as if the song wasn't enough then you got the video to go along with the whole thing it's complete with the, and Waldo went on to, at the very end, you know, with the, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High ass fucking titles at the end. Like, 
Oh yeah. That's a complete package of a song, man. Catchy. One of the greatest music videos ever. Yeah, man. Like, like I could see why it was still being played. It's a fucking awesome music video. Yeah. I'm not just talking about whoever the hell the model is that's playing the teacher. I'm talking like all their little fucking outfits and shit. Yeah, and the choreographed moves and all that, dude. Like, yeah, because they have the section where it's like he's like the talk show host. Yeah. And they have like the funky, like shitty tuxedos, you know? Mm-hmm. But like all the fucking school parts. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the bus driver, right? I want to say, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I think he's the bus driver. I mean, it's this song. I mean, again, it's, it's that swing that I don't, I'm not super fond of. But man, I mean, Yes, this is the Harley Davidson of swing songs right here. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, yeah, it's everything on fucking 11. You know, right. even, even his, his little background talking and with the, with the little finger pick. Yeah. Give me something to ride on, man. Like, I mean, it's just so fucking much. <laughs> it's, it's all over. You know, and I mean, again, this is probably the one where like really where when you speak on Alex Van Halen, I mean, this is the spot. Yeah, absolutely. This, you know, this, this is, is the case for point for the whole band. eruption for him, you know? I mean, yeah. But yeah, definitely for sure. That opening solo, you know, the, like, and it just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing until they break into it. Like it's, just, you know, him walking across the fucking desks. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a classic oh, in every yeah. sense of the word, man. Straight up. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, it's pretty good, man. I've, I yeah. mean, I've, I don't hate the song of all the swing shit that they have. I mean, this is definitely my favorite one for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's one of those songs where it's like, even if you didn't like Van Halen, you know, it's it's like I don't like the Eagles, but I'll listen to Hotel California. Yeah, for sure. It's it's like I don't like the song, but I mean, I've heard it so many times. Like, not a big deal. If Offer Teachers on, fuck yeah, I'll listen to it and I'll enjoy the hell out of it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I must say, Dillinger did a pretty good cover of it back in the day. It was fucking Wow, I'm going to have awesome. to hear that. <laughs> it's literally the song with Greg Pucciato singing it, and he does a pretty good job rendition of it. The only difference is in the chorus, on every time the, the second I'm hot for a teacher, he screams it. That's it. I But they were just really good at it, and it was – really fucking fun to see live like they that was that was an aggressive party to say the very least oh man yeah so that's our fucking list on van halen people what a legacy to live man i've been saying that the whole time and it's true yeah wow jason now we discovered that there's a proper way to check what the top songs are do you have those pulled up by chance right and this one for the most part is correct dance the night away it has 32 million plays goddamn and then Can't Stop Loving You, which is a new one off of Balance, hmm. that has 42,000 or 42,902,000 plays. Why Can't This Be Love, which that's the first song. I think that's the first single they released off of 5150. I could buy that. Pretty good song. Pretty cool sounding keyboard on it. Uh, that's 51,413,000. Then, uh, uh, oddly enough, so let's see, that's one, two, three. So coming in at number seven i guess would be eruption huh with 56 million plays not surprised at all yeah i really loved what you know shout out randy bly where he had something in his story 
it's like you just got to know that thousands of people are going to go play eruption right now mm-hmm. and no matter what they you know no matter how good they are playing it it'll never be that good yeah you know he he was just that kind of a player you know Most definitely. um 60 million plays at number six would be you really got me Hmm. which now I'm thinking about it. I think I may have said in talk about love as the Kings cover is you really got me. Yeah. It, it, just in case I said that. Um, and then ain't talk about love 71 million. And hmm. then hot for teacher has 82.9 million. And then we have running with the devil 114 million. So actually their top four is exactly what I thought it would be huh. easily. I would have switched out. You really got me and ain't talking about love for their top five as far as just all around just biggest songs. Yeah. But their top four, their top four is exactly what I thought it would be. Panama is 160,592,000 and then Jump is 384,984,000. Hmm. God damn, like, dude. So Jump, Panama, Running with the Devil Hot for Teacher. And I would have had You Really Got Me, but ain't talking about love actually has it. So. That would have been my guess for top five. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding, dude. Like this band was just as fucking successful, if not more after David Lee Roth. So they were just as successful, if not more with two separate singers. And why is that? Because of their fucking guitar player. Yeah. I don't know of any other band, dude, that has been just so dominated by the guitar player. Yeah. Most bands, it's it's almost always the fucking singer, mm-hmm. especially bands where they're singing. You know, I mean, they are the frontmen. Yeah, and most of those bands are dominated by that fucking singer, no matter how good the fucking guitar player is, except Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And it's just a testament to how fucking good this dude is. Absolutely, and how loved he is. Mm-hmm. You know, I said it on Twitter, man. It's the dam of all dams. It's rough, dude. Like, a lot of people lost their, you know, not lost their inspiration, but lost their inspire, their inspirer mm-hmm. yesterday. And it's a really huge bummer, man. Yep. It's a bummer. It fucking sucks, man. What a weird year. But we have countless years of music to still live by. All the videos. Go pick up a piece of his gear if you're a gear guy. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a legacy to live again for the last time. (laughs) That's our Van Halen episode, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Let us know in the comments or just hit us up what what your favorite stuff is. Are you more of a Van Hagar guy? Are you a Gary Sharon guy? (laughs) Let us know. We love talking to you. (laughs) somebody there's got to be somebody out there that's like no nah, man everybody's wrong it's all about gary sharon well no come on statistically speaking i just i would like <laughs> no. to believe there's at least one person that's like no no, God, no. oh there's no such thing well if you're that guy let us know we just oh yeah know. okay curious. yeah if you are yeah trolls aside if yep, you yep. are let us fucking know i'm yep. I don't think that exists me neither but i don't we look forward exists. to hearing from you gary sharon <laughs> fan number one um, I mean, maybe Gary Sharon thinks that. In fact, I, you know, I bet Gary Sharon doesn't even fucking think that. No, I, I guarantee that's the case. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, hit us up on all the socials. I'm at Yes It Is I David everywhere. You can find Jason usually at Metalist Pod on Twitter, Metalist Podcast everywhere else. Like, rate, review, subscribe, share this with your friends. Let us know what you think. Thanks again, folks. And until next time, 
Eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. See you then. Later.